It drifts, yeah. right? Yeah. Why? How is that? The time code, you have to have time code in the camera and it has to match the audio. And then that way you can, that's how you, if you've got the slate and the time yeah. code's on the slate, if yeah. you only have it a clapperboard with no time code, you have a reference point. But uh, that's why when we, we don't roll for 25 hours, we roll for, let's say 10 minutes and then they'll rejam the camera again so that it, it goes back into sync with the sound. Yeah, I thought this was supposed to be. <laughs> I I was told this would be easy. Yes, <laughs> they can make a camera and they can make microphones, but they can't make them the same. <laughs> I mean, there is a way to pull the time code off of one camera, yeah, and sync it with this device. I remember seeing that in the software, but yeah. since there's four cameras, you would it might have be a to bit difficult. Yes, sync all of them. Yeah, so let's just give up on that. <laughs> it shouldn't. It's only in the native yeah. capture. Okay. It drifts if uh, so. It drifts if I have to like um, pull audio from that and match okay. it with this. It's like it's never going to be right. Then it, yeah, it's going to be. It's just a tad off. And then by the end of a two-hour conversation, it's like really it's, off. It's really off. Yeah. Oh, it's just. It. It's so disturbing to watch out of sync. I know. Because you know something's wrong. Even if it's yeah. just a little bit, you know something's wrong, but you can't totally yeah. tell. Yeah. The, pe the people are speaking faster than the words are coming out. Yes. Like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> How is this possible? Yeah. It's kind of a pain. Anyway, welcome, Ian. Welcome back. I Welcome back. Welcome yeah. Back. I was going to say which episode number, but then um, I didn't look it up before I came in. Every once in a while, somebody will ask me, hey, what episode did you talk about this? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I, <laughs> I want to say it was 15. Am I wrong? Oh, nice. Ian would know. He has a, he has a good memory. Man, that's a really long time ago then. It was the day that we photographed the uh, printing of Refuge. That's oh, how so, long ago it was. So, so that would have been... 2017. No, 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 no. It would have been January of 2019. Are you sure? No. It's 18. Or was it January of 19? Oh, well. it's like, was my shoulder in a sling? <laughs> it was. Yes. A, I was going to say what, that the... Then it uh, was after December what 2018. <laughs> yeah, there you exactly. go. There you go. When we started printing Poison, I told... Andy, I was like, yeah, we print all of my best work when I I'm crippled just or had a surgery of some kind. With <laughs> uh, some supportive device around one of my limbs, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. one way to measure time, just by what point, what part of your body was fucked up. Yes. Yep. Yeah, not, um, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because time seems to... <laughs> seems really, really stretch out. Fucking <laughs> okay, A. Number fifty-five, oh. January seventeenth, twenty nineteen. When it when it came out, there was a five. Um, when in the we numbers, recorded it, December who fucking knows. Probably December eighteenth, because that's when we started printing, didn't we? What did we print in January? I no, we, we released in February. We printed in January. Yeah. Okay. There you go. See, there, there. was a five in the, in the number. So it was fifty-five. What did we speak about? Let's. 
We spoke about refuge. I remember that the printing. Yeah. And um, uh, now my mind's drawing a blank about anything else because we were probably both really high from the chemicals. You we from from the, from the from ink. Michael and Mark speak with Ian Seabrook about Mark's book titled Refuge, the production of which Ian documented in real time for the reality bath film. <laughs> <laughs> is an underwater director of photography in the motion picture and television industry. He worked on Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman with us, um, as well as Cabin in the Woods. That was a while ago. Yeah. Deadpool oh, yeah. 2, and a whole bunch of stuff since then. Yes. A Bond movie? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Darn it. Darn I know, it. Right? We were talking about Bond today. Yeah. Is that something you'd want to get into? 100%. Yeah. Uh, it's been a uh, ever since I saw Thunderball when I was a kid. Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's been one of the um, influences of um, my work or um, on my work anyway. But for sure, um, it's it's that organization is very family oriented and close knit. So you you sort of have to be in the mix in the fold. Oh, it's yeah. not about who is the best in the world. It's about you know your timing about how you integrate with that group so i was gonna um say something like there's only like four or five of you guys in the world right yeah something like that <laughs> yeah with 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 credits that you know amass uh to that level there's other people out you know a lot of people initially it was sort of like oh it's just easy just to jump in the water with the camera it's you know it's easy come on i mean it's like it's like going to the pool or going yeah, they to make the, a gopro housing yeah, it's easy but then you know when you add uh, you know cinema cameras and anamorphic lenses or you know not necessarily just when you add cinema lenses to that whole system the gear in the rig becomes larger and then your skill set in order to manipulate that in the water becomes larger as well because yeah. um, it's like you're pushing a refrigerator around yeah, in front of you, essentially yeah depending on the size of the camera housing yeah you are pushing a mass through the water which you have to make neutrally buoyant otherwise you're going to be constantly struggling to pull it up or you're going to be constantly struggling to pull, pull it, it down. down yeah so either way it's shoulders and grip and wrists and and then you need your cardio to be able to fin or stay in one spot or and so um that's why um, I find the exercise um, <laughs> regimen of professionally uh, useful. Professionally useful to tax my system on a daily basis, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> courtesy of Michael and Mark. And I mean, uh, water and complicates everything. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of actually phenomenal. I mean, all I, I've known about a little bit of like underwater welding and how complex that gets. Yeah, but I guess I just also learned about. Um, the uh when you put like when you're zeroing in a rifle then when you put you know a lens in front of you it changes the perception like your zero will be off unless you have like a certified lens that doesn't have like a reflex to it or something have you heard of this so what sean told me when we went out we, we went out with aaron and she was zeroing her rifle and she's like well i don't know what's wrong and then sean would shoot it and it was like dead on and then she'd put it on and it would be off He's like, what the hell's going on? He's like, oh, switch your glasses. So she changed her glasses, and it was on zero. And you're like, here's like a something that happens. Yeah, there's oh. something that happens with the lens with a, reflex. With a polarized lens, yeah, maybe. Uh, it could be, yeah. Maybe it was polarized. That's fine. I, that I've, would that would make sense. Yeah, for sure. You'd get a you you would 
you know, your polarized lens against whatever the native glass on that scope would be. Yeah. One would interfere with the other. And okay. so uh, then you, you pull it off and you have no interference, even though you might be incredibly bright. And, you know, you don't really, I don't, I don't know. I was never in the military, but yeah. you typically don't. I don't know if this is incorrect. I could be blowing my mouth off here, but I don't know that you wear sunglasses when you're a sniper, but I don't know if you do. You might, but yeah. it, I, but they, but the, for, I, I don't think polarized is a, a good idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always be. find like, ah, it's kind of fun to me driving and, you know, tilt my head and, oh, right, and, then, see the, the, and then to see the color shift. Or, or not the, be able or to the see your phone. Shift or, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the major one. Everyone's like, God damn it, you know. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's actually yeah. interesting. That, the other weird part about it that, that reminded me of the water, and again, like totally out of my uh, actual understanding, but in evolution, like eyeballs in evolution have to do with the water being the lens on a fish's eye or like it, something that happens naturally with like aqua life where the, the lens can focus because the water creates a layer right. that it can create like kind of a its own lens. And that's why we have to have moisturized eyes because it needs a level of moisture in order for the lens to correctly focus. So I would imagine only when you get into that weird like underwater shit, that stuff starts changing. Yeah, well, on camera wise, um, when you have um, what's called the dome port, like it was a bubble, it's a yeah. bubble like a bubble glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what the lens on the inside of the camera, when you have a camera inside the camera housing and then that glass dome is on the outside of the housing, the uh, the front element of the um, lens on the inside of the housing and the interior curve of the dome port, that's what you're focusing on. It's called an aerial image. And your lenses need to be able to close focus to at least 18 inches, 16 to 18 inches in order to take uh, advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And if your lenses cannot, like say, you know, a lot of times I like to shoot with like a cinema glass and they have very poor close focus capabilities. They only usually focus to two, two foot four or two feet and that's not enough. So then you have to put diopters on and to, in order to take advantage of that so that if you were to... Um, be up close on someone at two feet you could swim away and there'd be a large portion of it would be in focus you wouldn't have to constantly like tweak the focus as you're swimming backwards which okay. would cause a lot of jiggling on the camera um, I did underwater focus pulling if that's even a thing but I guess it is uh, in the, <laughs> on, on, on film cameras not digital cameras so there was okay. no you know the current so no immediate feedback to what you're doing that's correct so you're just ju you're just eyeballing you distance. need to be able to judge distance so you need to know where 11 feet is underwater oh, and then yeah. you have a magnified image with your your um your mask that you yeah. have on which is magnifying whatever you're seeing by 25 percent <laughs> so you use tape measures that are calibrated one side would be regular measurements oh, yeah. that you would get off the shelf and then the other would be the calibrated version of that depending on the port that you were using and if you use the bubble port, um, you'd have to calibrate all your lenses in the water. Every single lens had to be calibrated in the water. And uh, I remember I'd, I was when I was an assistant, I was doing this picture, and um, we were. And so the the standard procedure would be to get a focus chart, and you you I would bolt it somehow with C stands or some. I would somehow. Um, adhere it to the back of the pool wall so yeah. that it's not moving around. It's not by the filter. It's not blowing. It's flat. And then you would have a tripod underwater and an underwater head that's you know it, that that had been used to being abused that way, and then the camera house, and then you would you would measure everything out, and uh, one, at one point the the actor Jed Nelson who was in this thing walked by and he saw the sign, um, 
that I was using. It was a location sign from another film. Hmm. And he looked at that and he thought that the locations department had the wrong sign. He goes, come on, guys, get the right sign on the right movie. And he was like, I was like, dude, you don't even get what we're doing here. But I just thought it was funny. Not, not to publicly give shame it, Judd Nelson. But give, <laughs> so, so this, you're really, really selling the idea that you can just jump into the water yep. with a camera yeah. and everything will be fine. <laughs> the, the results will be just peachy. Just, they will have zero yeah. issue at all. And so on film, you know, no different from shooting, uh, you know, film with your film camera, um, you would, you know, shoot the day's work and then you would have to get up in the, well, I would, I would, not everybody, would you get up in the morning, go to the lab and, and check it. Usually it was projected against a wall, you mm -hmm. know, maybe three by three. It wasn't like a massive theater because they didn't have the time because you had, had to still to go get to work. Yeah. And so that, that's where you would see whether it was exposed properly, if it was in focus, and if it was, if there's any other weird <laughs> nonsense on top of any of that, there could be scratches, there could be oh, yeah. sparks, there could be, um, you know, there could be a whole bunch of different anomalies that the image would look crummy. So I yeah. would, I would go and look at that and then I would go to work and then I would have to watch it again at night with the cameraman or the director or the producers. And then yeah. that way you're sitting there knowing that nothing's screwed up, that you're not going to sit there going, and they're, what's this? Ah! And sort of start freaking out. I needed to know that there was no problem Bef yeah. before, whereas on HD or digital, yeah. it's you look at the monitor, it's like eh, it doesn't really look sharp, and then you fix it right away. Yeah, you know. So that's I, mean, I try to do that. <laughs> I've gotten it wrong every time in here for the past three episodes. I've been like, yeah, it looks sharp. Okay, that looks sharp. Dow! And it go to screen. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, oh happened? yeah, I guess I need glasses when I. I, I was gonna say, or focus. or not polarized glasses. It's <laughs> <laughs> extra lens. That's it. How um, how different is it? Because I know that you built the one job we were on. You built this like massive tank in Vancouver. The thing was like gigantic uh, to film in. Uh, was that Man of Steel? Man of Steel, yeah. yeah. That was 100, we had 180 feet of green screen underwater. Yeah. The tank, uh, I think it was 72 feet in diameter by 20 feet deep or something like yeah. that. Um, and so only half of the tank was greened. So we had platforms for um, Russell Crowe to pull himself down and swim through the the um, Krypton um I'm going to forget the name of what he was swimming through. But uh, so we had all that. And then um, a, lo a lot of that, you know, DJ um, digitally comped all the, the worlds and the people and stuff in. Um, and then we did an explosion where we had, it wasn't really an explosion. It was, it was like a oil, fire. The oil tanker thing. Yeah, right? It was a firewall. Yeah. So basically after um, Henry, um, the chopper takes off, he holds the rig in place and then the whole thing explodes and he gets blown into the water. So we had to, we had to simulate that. So we had the camera underneath him. No one could breathe. No one could leave. Yeah. Because once they locked it up, then they had Henry on th two monofilament lines in the water. Tim Rigby rigged them. Okay. Oh. And he, Henry had to really just calm his whole aura and he had to hold his breath obviously as, as yeah. we all did because we're looking straight up and then if any bubbles went up you would, uh, you would ruin the shot yeah so you know and that's 
And that's um, when so you. So he was floating there. Correct. Ish. He was floating. I think he was maybe two feet from the surface. Okay. And then they ignited the entire surface of the water. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty. So and obviously that shot's in the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, even though they've they've added all these sure. little other bits and stuff. And we also did a rig with Henry where he uh, and again he got very very zen and calm about it because he had to be kind of not locked in, but he had to be positioned in where it wouldn't be an easy way for him to get out. Yeah. So his legs were probably fed through like a, like a glued ham uh, machine or some sort. Yeah. And, and then he basically was sort of in the crucifixion uh, position. And uh, in the film, they, they bounced back and forth the idea of digitally inserting blue whales. Uh, um, yeah. And then, you know, he kind of opens his eyes and then he closes his eyes again. And I think there's a flashback with Kevin Costner at the same time that this is happening. Um, and so then, you know, okay, this is the whale version. This is the non-whale version. And, you know, and then in the end, Zach decided what, whatever he wanted to put in there. But, uh, you know, Henry was very, um, it's not, it's, it's certainly not easy for him to show up. He's got virtually no clothes on. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that was, that was October or something. I mean, that I was, they, so, that yeah. one, I remember when there's some point where he's like climbing on the outside of the tank, which has been made to look like the oil rig and that have water pouring down on him. Oh yeah. And, and he, it, it was like a, a week of calorie restriction and yeah, like that, that final week in the, with the oil rig and that whole thing, there was whatever, five days of shooting and he just kept getting lighter and lighter and lighter. I'm like, he's got no body fat. Could you at least not have cold water pouring on him for this? You know, I'm, trying, I'm trying to protect my guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, get him after every shot, you know, into the tent with huge heaters oh, in yeah. there and stuff. I mean, that whole, that Even though came, we were already in a hangar. Yeah. Correct. And then the, the effects guys are like, what? Yeah. Well, you're not out here with no clothes on, getting <laughs> yeah. fucking ice water on your own. It's like when yeah. we went to uh, Nanaimo for the, I think it was the first. Uh, the fishing? Shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first, when he comes out of the water. Right. I guess it would be after the explosion of the water tank or That's whatever. That's He's yeah. like finding clothes on the hairline. And you're like, man, it was not warm uh, because I think it was, was that? It would have been October. Yeah, I think it was October. It would yeah. have been October. Everybody would have yeah. had their it would have Patagonian been right It's right before the, the tanker sink. Or right before yeah, you which guys I think that was like the third week. of Because I think we had to cut him for a scene. And then there was no time to refeed. Like yeah. to refeed before the next thing. And so yeah. we just tried to hold. I'd Keep have him. to look back my notes. But it was something like we got him leaned up yeah. for that shot. Then he came back and there was not enough time to. Yeah, I think like get fat and cut I think again. Where were we? It or was get, so know, the other side of the, the island, though, mm-hmm. when we first stayed there. And I, I remember, like, he had a, a shit schedule. He was out on a boat all day, dry heaving. He basically, like, would yeah. vomit for a couple hours before they could start filming. And then he was, like, out on a boat, <laughs> cutting up really rotten fish and, like, doing all sorts of actual uh, boat. Yeah. yeah, and then just dry <laughs> heaving. And I'm like, it's great for... <laughs> All I told him when he got back was like, well, we don't need to train because yeah. you just worked your abs for six hours yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Solid. Dry, dry, Solidly, yeah. Driving. And uh, I don't, I just, I remember trying to go run uh, when he was out on the boat. I was like, oh, I'm just getting a little workout. And I started running. My hands went numb. My feet went numb. And it wasn't that cold. It was just like the moisture. Yeah. It's, it's like 100% Vancouver. humidity. Yeah, yeah, it was like Vancouver Ish. cold. 
Yeah, the 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 air the the wet gets into your bones, yeah. as they say. It doesn't physically get into your bones, but everyone you know you notice there's a dry cold and yeah. there's a wet cold, and yeah. that, that damp cold you can you, you just sometimes Hurts. never warm up. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all very well for him to be running around with no clothes on or, you know, basically it's some, some shredded um, pants that he had on. And, uh, you know, the crew, the crew members are on him a full cup, North Face Nupsy, fucking, you know, glacier ice climbing yeah. gear on and stuff. And he's just like, you motherfuckers. And they're like, oh, my soup's cold. You yeah. Know, yeah. Throw, yeah, exactly. You know, throw it out. Oh, what's that? You know, there's no more hot chocolate. Uh, and Henry's like, God, I haven't yeah. eaten and I'm fucking freezing. That was pretty miserable, yeah. let alone yeah. all the like technical parts that go into it. I think it was like the, one of the first times I was. I, I think the first time we went to like the real set and I was like, oh shit, there's like hundreds of people running around. Yep. Everybody has a very specific task. It was kind of like mind melting to understand. And I think I was, there was like a, a, a cop car turned over and blown up. And I think people were making like the debris for like the building falling down. And was, this thing is so fucking complex, yeah. let alone when you get into you know, the technical parts of stunting and underwater stuff where you like each person has this like insane technical knowledge that like, you know, you need to disperse throughout hundreds of people in order to pull off this one thing. But it's yeah. kind of fascinating. I remember when I was first getting into the business, I, uh, I did uh, some work on a, the American remake of La Femme Nikita. Oh, nice. Which was called Point of No Return. It yeah. had Bridget Fonda in it. Yeah. I never, n I never ever saw it. I, but I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> it's blasphemy that it was even made. I know, but I know. Please continue. But please continue. Yeah. I would have to say yeah. that I saw that one first and uh -huh. then I found La Femme yeah. Nikita. Oh, and dear. It, it was, yeah. But it's a fine way to find La Femme Nikita. Yeah. And so sure. I, I never thought of it as bad because I saw it first. Yeah. So things got better when right. it, things... I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, you know, there's, you walk towards the set. It was all night work, all night stunt work in Griffith Park in Los Angeles. And uh, there's this giant glow. It looked like it was nuclear kind of glow <laughs> off in the distance. And that's where all the lights were. <laughs> and, you know, you're just, this, you know, I was an, I was an unpaid intern mm -hmm. on that show. Mm -hmm. And I had some very nice people that I was working with and some people who had obviously remembered what it was like when they were in that position instead yeah. of, instead of, you know, there's quite, of course the, you know, the opposite's true. There's plenty of people who, who know how to do things and they don't ever forget, sorry, they don't ever remember where they came from. And so they just, yeah. like, you know, haze people or who are below them. Hey, you're an idiot. Right. You don't know what you're doing and this and that. So like Same. you were that way once as well and I'm fired now <laughs> for having said that <laughs> for having said that exactly and where's my tea you know it's so yeah. funny but um, I wanted chocolate yeah. not beer oh, I, the, the, <laughs> I just got asked uh, about that the uh, other day <laughs> the, um, when I did, yeah the first thing I did was I mean I'd worked on a bunch of TV commercials and that kind of thing obviously smaller crews but first um, big movie was 300 and I think I went to set I think four times total I went to set. The rest of the time I was just in the gym. Right. Because each time I went to set, I would just be disappointed. <laughs> and I remember, because there was one day, you know, there's like I'm walking in and I'm looking and there's, and, and as I mentioned the other day, we were talking about, because one day Vincent Regan was in the gym and he was super upset because the, you know, start time just kept getting pushed every day. You know, you start Monday morning at eight o'clock, but then Tuesday you... 5 p.m. You, uh, that'd be, that'd, <laughs> no, it's Friday. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Friday. By the time and it just keeps getting pushed, and then there's turnaround time or whatever. And by Friday, you're starting at like four, you know, four in the afternoon. Yeah, inside and in a it, studio. In, yeah, exactly. And then and then you're getting your one point 
three, seven days of weekend yeah. before you have to yep. be back at 8 a.m. on Monday. But he was in the gym on that Friday and, and you're just screaming like, would somebody please tell me why it takes 200 people to make a movie? Oh, that's right. It fucking doesn't. <laughs> you know, and then he was just, uh, you know, deadlifting and just slamming the barbell down. But awesome. And, and I went to, you know, one of those times I went to set and I'm like looking at the 150 people that are there. Yeah. And some of the, you know, obviously some of them are working their fucking asses off and yeah. some of them are not. And so I, you know, <laughs> Six or seven, like, yeah. go up to this guy and I'm like, hey, man, you know, what do you do? And he goes, I, I hold the thing. I'm like, cool. Um, I gotta go. <laughs> have you have you held the thing today? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I got to hold the thing once earlier. I think I I think I'm probably gonna be able to get to hold it again too. I'm like, okay. So there's one guy just standing, yeah. and I can't even, you know, I, probably, you know, embellishing this a little, mm -hmm. <laughs> just for the sake of it. Sounds pretty accurate to me. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is pretty appalling. I'm gonna go back and. Actually, yeah, do, do some, some work. The, do, yeah. do the shit that I'm that supposed need, to. That needs know, to be do. done exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was probably one of my. I, I mean, because we didn't have to go on set. We only got. We only went a couple times, even on Man of Steel. Yeah, and then, I remember the day you guys showed up. I was in the water. I remember you, yes. the day you guys showed up. Yeah, yeah. And you, Mark, you said to me, "I'm really looking forward." To, you sent me this message earlier, but you, I'm really looking forward to you, to you seeing what Henry looks like. And I, I said, "Oh, this is all under wraps, and he's never been." Yeah. And then it was like oh, you yeah. know the, everything came off. He went in the water. And uh, so I was underneath him. I was like, huh, yeah, oh, his back looks definitely bigger. <laughs> and his shoulders, holy shit, the shoulders look great. And his chest, you know, and it, not, not in like in this, you know, homo, homoerotic way. I was just yeah. like, you know, because I, I knew we were having dinner and you were talking about what the training was going on like. And you're like, you know, you took this guy who was training himself on this Immortals film. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly he was like, you know, well, we got to fatten you up, buddy. We got to get yeah. you bigger. And so it was a. Uh, this, you know, and the training was in L.A. before you guys started moving around to Chicago or wherever else you were shooting. And then it went to Vancouver. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I saw the the results of all that. And I remember having a, a I kind of went, I just said, ah, you know, whatever. Um, I, I walked up to him. Uh, well, actually, I swam over to him, actually. And he, he was just hanging. He was hanging on there. And he was like, he was looking down um, maybe at, at his feet or something. And he was just like taking it all in. And I walked over and I said, um I introduced myself and I said, I'm a good friend of Mark and Michael's. And he goes, oh, you know, pleasure to meet you and stuff. And I mean, every every time I've met and worked with Henry, he's always been impeccably mannered. Mm -hmm. He's impeccably and, um, mannered. Yeah, he's yes. a very, very nice person. And uh, I just said, so how, how's, you know, I was like, well, what's, what stupid question could I ask him? How's the training going? Yeah. Well, it's going great. I'm really fucking hungry. You know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. He was the answer I would expect. I don't remember, but I did ask him. I said, um, did you, uh, did you ever meet Rob? mcdonald and he oh. said uh he said yeah <laughs> and that was kind of the end of the conversation <laughs> that's, that's, one, that's, that's a one conversation <laughs> stopper for <laughs> you <laughs> yeah boy anyway that's one way to end a conversation yeah. really okay quick. i'll be over here i'll just swim back over here again bye yeah no nah, we actually did chat a little bit more but uh but still so i have worked with him on two films which the other one was batman versus superman yeah um and uh and i did more work with amy adams than i did with henry in the water, but oh, I, I, one, yeah. I, I do remember that um, uh, they had uh, a stunt person in the water for Henry, who's supposed to be the, the kryptonite's overtaken him, and he's kind of floating there. Yeah, and uh, was it Albert? 
Albert, the uh, one of Damon's guys. I can't remember who was. Who oh, it was. yeah. He, he, stu- he uh, double yeah, handed. Yeah. Yeah. Really, Albert. really athletic. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. Parkour guy. Yeah. Could not hold his breath. Oh, really? At all. And um, we had um, Paul Walker's free diving double from Into the Blue. And he was, I think he ended up dating Jessica Alba on that film. But he, oh. he was one of the water safety guys. And he, he comes over to water safety guys and he comes over to me and he says, if that guy can't hold his breath, I'm going to get that goddamn suit on and do it myself. I said, you're too tall. You know, he's like, you know, six, <laughs> seven or whatever. I said, you're too tall. You're not going to fit in that outfit. Yeah. So, uh, but he was like, he was trying to, t- t- you know, train him how to do it in three yeah. and five minutes. And I think the pressure of all the cameras and yeah, the yeah. setups and the fact that he had to start hyperventilating. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Well, you know, I don't yeah. think people and realize you, how hard it fucking is to hold your breath. Just to, like it, it is. Yeah. It's one of the most challenging things you can learn. It's physiologically possible for everybody. Yes. But I think it's funny because you, you, as soon as you describe him, I remember he was a very like, he was a very buzzy kid. He was always doing backflips and he like yep. vibrates into rooms and you're like, Oh yeah, he's like not in the right state naturally. So like it's just like <laughs> to not breathe. Yeah, yeah to so, not be calm. Yeah, and then you right. put yourself in water, let alone cold water, and it changes completely too. Like he, it's the first time I did the first uh, uh, free diving class I did. There was like dry land training. Awesome, I loved the shit out of that. And I'm like, cool. Now let's get in the water. And you're like what the fuck happened? Like yeah. my body doesn't respond. My brain gets in the way. Like my, my best uh, on the dry land, I could hold it for like three and a half minutes. And it was like, okay, that's pretty good for my, you know, first class. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do even better in water. Cause it'll feel, I don't know, more special. It was like 90 seconds. And I was panicking like fucking crazy. And you're like, and when I finally talked to the uh, guy about it, cause I, I only had a top on and we were in an indoor pool down in St. George and he was like, oh, you're too cold. And I was like, I don't no, I don't feel cold. He's like, no, you're, you're, you're in water and you're not moving around and you've been in here for a half an hour. Your body temperature is now zapped. So all of your oxygen is going towards like heating up your body now. So it's going to like y- your body's working. You just don't know it. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. They're like, how the fuck do these Arctic free divers do this? This is kind of crazy to watch. I forgot yeah. the girl's name who's doing that. She, she got in. She like ice climbs down these glaciers to go through these ice caves in oh. in the arctic and then she free dives so she'll like climb down with ice axes and ropes and shit down these like slot canyons yeah it's like the most insane thing i'll show it to you later it's okay like, it's she films some of the most beautiful things i've ever seen like you it's an alien world obviously you're like underwater with glaciers and yeah it's quite beautiful yeah it's, beautiful. it's super serene and alien looking but the water holding thing is weird. The, the breath holding thing is weird. I can only imagine if like, you know, 50 people were staring at you waiting for you to hold yeah. your breath for the yeah. right amount of time. But a lot of times, Absolutely. the I mean, obviously there's the controllability of, you know, filming in these tanks. Mm. Um, um, but a lot, of, but sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're out in it. Quite often I'm not. Yes, exactly. And, and the aforementioned Arctic well, yeah, that oh, would yeah. be Antarctic, but yeah. um, I did a job uh, for IMAX that was out in um, the waters of the Polar Sea. Uh, <clears throat> I guess the closest landmass would have been Svalbard, and uh, I was I had I had prepped. What's that. the uh, latitude? Oh, it's uh, twenty point <laughs> nine seven five east by seven point seven eight seven five degrees north. And how do I know that? How do you know it's that? Because it's tattooed on my finger, which was sliced oh. off while I was working there. But, oh no! Um, sh- 
but uh, <laughs> it's i just i love it's so good it's, yeah it's i mean yeah. it's not so good but yeah it, it the fact that the coordinates are the coordinates yeah. where, the, where, where the tip of the yeah. finger went missing how do you know that well i, I just know it <laughs> okay i mean svalbard's no yeah uh, that's where the green bank is yeah um and uh, I was like, "Wow, all the, the green, the under, yeah, the, the, yeah, the underground, underground grain storage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, for the entire that. world. You yeah. Know? And when we were there, it was it was summer, so the light was up all the time. Um, when you went to bed, it was you know like it's outside here. It'd be eleven o'clock at night. So, and the problem with that was you know a couple of the people on the crew were they could not adjust their body clock, and they just assumed that because it was still daylight, they, that means they can still keep drinking even though it was you know quarter to one in the morning and they had to get up at eight in the morning and it was so i just you know you try to do the same thing and uh, you know i i'm sleeping masks and all this other kind of stuff happened but uh yeah. i was i prepped all my gear in la in a really really freezing cold swimming pool i had uh, um heating a heating undergarment system whereby i had gloves that plugged in to yeah. the wired the, the wired heating system and then the whole thing was powered by a battery that was uh hanging off the, the hanging off my belt and uh, the, of course, it, it all worked. It was fantastic. And and then you know I get to the airport, and they won't uh, allow the battery because the watt hours were too high. I think you're only allowed to fly. Well, I know you're only allowed to fly with anything under 100 watt hours, and this was 185 watt hours. And I was like, you got to be kidding me! So I had a, a bail on the battery, so the whole heating system thing went out the window. Oh, all the money that I spent on it, and uh, I tried to rent a, a similar battery in, uh, in Norway and Sweden, and it was not possible. I did have a couple of contacts over there who were who helped me get some gear. Um, but um, they couldn't source anything like that. So I was like, okay, well, that was that was the dumbest. I mean, that was one of the dumbest things I had done was, was you know, invest all this money in this and then realize that, you know, you can't fly with it. But you don't, so. there's a limitation that you don't think of. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. In, in, now in I know. Like, yeah. Well, of course, now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but just like the, the little, like you were so focused on the one thing, you know, yeah. like, oh, I got this system. It's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then there's just like a little hiccup, bureaucratic hiccup. And yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you're climbing plans of men or whatever, when you're climbing and you say, OK, I need this equipment. I need this this exposure equipment to keep me warm. Yeah, I can say I don't need it. I'm tough. I can go up there and I'll and if I go a little bit, I'll just I'll just tough it up and suck back some olive oil. and I'll be good. But it's not <laughs> it's not a practical it's not a realistic scenario. So you need yeah. to make sure that, you know, cause I'm going to be in the water, but you know, potentially for up to eight hours, you know, and not getting out for lunch. And so then, okay, well, how do you go to the bathroom? You were wearing a dry suit. So then I had to get adult diapers and I wore them and I never, ever, I never went, went uh, to, to the restroom in them because it was, you know, everything is like just compressed. Oh yeah. And so you, when, <laughs> when I need to go to the, yeah. go for a piss, I have to be relaxed. Yeah. And so if the water's warm, you're like, ah, it just flows out of you. But if yeah. it's cold water, you're like, nothing's going out. Nothing, yeah. Right? So, it's contracting. You know. but, that, um, that's what Aaron was telling me the other day. Uh, you were talking to her about some of the nutrition requirements yeah. for the job. And when she was like, yeah, it's really weird because um, obviously you like have been into nutrition and training for a while. So you know quite a bit about it. And you've done this job for a while. So you, you have... Um, a good head start on how to take care of it. But when she described what your actual job demands are, I think, I don't think I've ever thought of them. Like you're waiting water for eight hours. Sometimes yep. you're like, you're doing an ultra day in and day out essentially for however yeah. the long this shoot schedule is. Last job I did in January, I think I probably burned 35 to four, 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day. 
and uh well in that in that yeah. time frame yeah, yeah and so and i lost 15 pounds because i wasn't i wasn't yeah. um replacing it correctly yeah. um now the first the first reason i would usually have like a thousand calorie i would make it a thousand calorie oatmeal um, and i would you know i'd get up i'd go down use this concept two rower in the gym at the hotel mm -hmm. come back eat breakfast go for the hour long drive to get to the studio and then be in the water for the whole entire day until 6 p.m and then get out and then i would drink some kind of a shake that i'd made um with water so there's you know it's only 125 calories in that yeah. and then pop an energy bar and then when you get back it's seven o'clock i have to go to bed at 8 30 or nine o'clock in order to get to, to to recuperate to recover for the next day's you know onslaught and so you're like well okay so now how do you stuff 2,000, 4,000 calories down your stomach two hours before you're going to go to bed. You can't do it. Russian so you, bear. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, That's why didn't true. you eat lunch properly? It's like, well, yeah. we started having lunch provided by catering, and of yeah. course you're at the mercy of whatever they feed you, and it was it was pretty atrocious. So then I noticed Always, that some yeah. of the other electrics were like having, you know, vegetarian paninis that they got at the canteen. I said, well, where'd you get that? So that was the only thing that made my stomach not like rah, 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 yeah. and sore and stuff. So you're trying to do this job and you've got like cramps in yeah. your stomach from the shit food that you've just ate at lunch, which is maybe your body's trying to break down and you're also sucking on oxygen. So you're like, something's got to give here. So that's why I said to Aaron, look. It's very easy for me to say, okay, well, all I have to do is have like nine avocados all lined up or, you know, 17 eggs or whatever. My daughter did synchronized swimming and water polo when she was younger. And she did a, a clinic on a weekend that one of the, um, the, um, the goalie for the U.S. Olympic team came to give a, like a clinic. Mm -hmm. And he described that he came down to the pool session, the training sessions when they were training for the Olympics. And he had two suitcases and they were just full of food. And he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He That's said he had to fuel himself to have like um, 10,000 calories uh, because he, he was treading, as you, exactly yeah. what you just said, he was treading water for probably 8 to 12 hours. And they don't really get out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like if you watch a goalie at a water polo match, they're not hanging onto the net waiting for the ball to no, come down. They're, they're treading. They're, they're, you know, they're egg beatering the whole time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know. And the water's not. I mean, it's lower temperature than yeah, your body, that's obviously. A, yeah. So yeah. it's you know thermal loss. And they're just probably wearing be even worse if it was the same. If yeah. it would be a nightmare if it was as warm as your own body. And there, and yeah, well, yeah. I've <laughs> believe me, I've sweat. I can, I can, I've sweat underwater uh -huh. when they have the water temperature too yeah. heavy. And I always wear a suit. I always wear an exposure uh, exposure yeah. suit. And um, like guys go in with board shorts and. Um, yeah. I've gone, I've done it. I've gone in with like, you know, um, neoprene shorts and, and a tank top or something like that. But then you're like, yeah, you look great. But, you know, in four hours, you're an idiot because you're like, bah, 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 bah. Oh, yeah, I need my thing. Yeah. And you're like, you, oh, oh well, so no, the macho guy's getting cold in there. Yeah. So I always wear, and plus the fact that it's, you know, that's my business suit for the day. I yeah. said, look, you've got to look professional. Like you actually know how oh, to do yeah. your job. Yeah. It's like, well, board shorts and a tank top and flip flops. You're like, who's that guy? Well, that's the underwater yeah. just cinematography. You're like, really? I don't know. It's just, yeah. <laughs> that's just but my also, old way of thinking. I don't know. It seems like you mentioned, you know, like for the, you know, cold weather, the ice climbing kind of stuff that there's, oh, there's certain, expo you know, clothing for yeah. related to, you know, environmental exposure. And like, okay, if you, if you get that dialed, then it's one more, it's one thing, one less thing to think about. Correct. So I would think that like, yeah, suiting up either a wetsuit or a dry suit, whichever is appropriate for, the, the task is probably really helpful yeah. in, in that way just to 
And then under the auspices of not working in a tank environment where it's a controlled environment where the temperature of the water is, mm-hmm. is correct and the, t- and the talent, it's all about the talent. The reason why all this stuff's done is because of the talent and the right. water, the actors, whatever. I'm too cold, I'm too this, I'm too that, whatever. I can't swim, I can't see. Uh, I'm afraid of the water. That's, that's a, a very common thing. And it's yeah. it's nothing to make fun of. It's it's, it's absolutely uh, something that I always take uh, very seriously to make sure that the, the t- safety of the talent is the number one paramount thing, even more than my own safety. Sure. So, but, you know, again... You know, you, we go and we go to Tahiti to shoot Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. uh, the discovery of the kryptonite, kryptonite rock. And um, if I had just the board shorts on, I would have scraped the shit out of my knees. And so that's what the suit's there for. There's rubber on the knees. There's rubber on there's rubber on bits whereby you're going to fall backwards or you're going to like, I got to get the camera here. And you, what was that? Uh, yeah. It's a coral. And now it's just like leaching into uh, my, yeah. my bloodstream. I've got a sea yeah. urchin <laughs> in my ass. Yeah, that's <laughs> happened. I've, I've been like the current's blown me into or urchins that are like perched on the side yeah. of, uh, oh, yeah. of, of, of cliffs or whatever. And you're like, you know, it's like you get those things. It took, it took a year and a half for them to come out, the spikes in the, yeah. in the urchins. No kidding. It depends on the velocity with which you're slammed yeah. into the side. They but it was really heavy current. In uh, Costa Rica, I got stuck by one in Spain. It fucking was yeah, so and you you jolt oh, instantly. It's like nerve pain. Yeah, one hundred. Like, yeah, it's bad. It doesn't just go boop. It just no. goes right in, and you can massage it all you want. And oh, there's all this stuff, vinegar. There's all yeah. these things that you're supposed to pour on it, which help with the pain. But it's like you just got to grit your teeth and deal with not it. Dis- not dissimilar from what you're going through right now. <laughs> and it, uh, and eventually the the spines. Yeah, uh, year and a half. Well, for me, Whoa. yeah, a year and a half. You, you're like, what, what's all that black shit? What are those black things in your knee? Well, it's an urchin. Yeah. yeah. And and it's not... And I had a suit on. It and went it went right through, through your suit. suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went right through the suit. Oh, fuck. Man. That you know? is crazy. I that, mean, what's the, uh, what's the biggest... Because uh, obviously you're talking about... There's a huge delineation between the uh, tanks and then open water, like ocean, lake, yeah. stuff like that. How... I, I, I have a hard time imagining the shoot schedule for something like that because water clarity probably has something to do with it. Yeah, big time. And if you have someone who sometimes the, the common thing is for the special effects department to look after the tank mm-hmm. and they come in and they, they, there's some you know guy who's like you know ninth down on the food chain who's in charge of heating and clarifying the water. And so uh, uh, oftentimes chemicals like on Batman versus Superman, the construction department, uh, had uh, materials that were not uh, water-based materials and the set started to come apart in the water and rusted and oh, I got a yeah, double ear infection that. and Amy Adams also got an ear infection as well but I had to have my ears vacuumed because there's a scar tissue in there and believe me that's not anything that anybody wants to have done um, Whoa. but um, yeah so all that was going on and then we had to drain that once we finished shooting in there you just we just shot in there with the pain and took it yeah and then when we then sh- we had to drain it clean it um, the, the, the construction department did not want to clean the tank, so we had to get down there and clean it ourselves and uh, get all that stuff out and then put the green screen in for Jason. The first time Jason Momoa oh, has right. been yeah. on, on as Aquaman on screen was in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. It's a small little, little clip of him. Um, and but that eventually got shot in, the, in a pool, right? We shot that in the tank, the same tank that the, that the set was in. They just okay. pulled it out, cleaned it. We cleaned it because they didn't, like I said, they didn't want yeah. to. And then we put green screen in it. And then Jason, you know, came down to do his his thing. And uh, Tim Rigby had a line on him and, and Tim Tim pulled him towards me. And then yeah. I moved the camera towards Jason so that if you watch the film, you'll see that there's this. And it, yeah. It's all very, it looks very flowy. And so like Tim Rigby has always been very, very good about um, 
uh, being able to orchestrate and rig um, uh, performers um, and his own stunt people um, in conjunction with the camera. He knows exactly, you know, he's very, very smart. We, we've all worked with him yeah. on, on a few jobs, but, uh, but yeah, when, when I see, when I see that he's there, I know that, that at least again, as you say, so you got the suit and you've got you, maybe you've got your, your, your nutrition. Yeah. And so, so now things are, at least that part of it is taken care of. So when you see someone like that, you go, that guy's here. Or like Rich Citrone, you go, yeah. that guy's here. Yeah. It's taken care of because that guy's going to be professional and he's not going to be like, so you have to also know with this job, you have to know how to do all that stuff too, mm -hmm. in case the guy that they give you is a complete doofus and, or just yeah. doesn't get it or it's not in his wheelhouse or it's like I said, it's like the ninth guy in the food chain and they just don't, they don't have anybody else here. You go do it. That's happened a lot. Yeah. You know? So. Cause um, of course you can, as, as we're learning, you can just put the camera in the water and it's super <laughs> simple. <laughs> Self it's automatic. So number nine on the list, of course. Yeah, you can just go do it, man. Yeah. I guess for people who don't uh, know, to, uh, how I always think of Tim uh, Rigby is the guy in Fast and the Furious when the car's going off the bridge shot. He's one of the stunties that jumps off the car. Uh, fast triple, was it the, was it triple X? Was that wrong? I don't know that I, it was fast, fast, the fast films, but I, uh, I think it was. I think it was Triple X. It's a core. It's a convertible Corvette, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So you're right. Yeah. I think. I think okay. that's it. Yeah. I just remember the scene because the I movie mean, Vin apparently Diesel was in, worth remembering. Is in both. Yeah. 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 Maybe or that's right. Oh, yeah. That's easy to get confused. Something. That's <laughs> easy. <laughs> we had a good dialogue. Tim was also on Man of Steel. Yeah. 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 He was the one who rigged um, um, Henry's uh, um, wrist and ankle. Um, because if he if he did all four limbs, then he, he, there had to be some flow, yeah, yeah. right? And he had to be rotating and stuff as one does in the water. But Tim and I were, we were just having a brief, you know, chat on the surface in between takes, whatever. And he said that we were going over insurance, and he said that it's extremely difficult for him to get insurance because oh, yeah. disability insurance of any kind. Because you know they're like, well, what do you do? He's like, well, Tom. Do you scuba dive? He goes, yes. He's like, well, do you skydive? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you uh, do you drive cars off cliffs? Yes. He's like, well, sorry, we're not going to insure you. Have you ever base jumped? <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you been in the military? Mm, you know, the list goes on, right? Are, so, are you one of the pioneers of wingsuit flying <laughs> in the world? <laughs> Seems I've read something about you yeah. before. Hang I on mean, a minute. The, Hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah. The so. first time I ever saw, like, I knew what wingsuits were, but the first time I ever saw. Um, crazy it, it you know any sort of proximity flying to you know terrain proximity kind of mm -hmm. stuff was something that he showed me it was like oh yeah we finally nailed this thing in norway and i'm like yeah <laughs> no thanks uh, whoa yeah, yeah. huge whoa. respect yeah, yeah. He, he's done some really wild yeah. stuff but he's so down to earth there's to yeah. me there's yeah. zero ego with someone like that yeah and <laughs> yeah. when i when i of course the problem with me because he's done some really wild stuff and yeah then, that, and, but he doesn't boast about it you know it's yeah. like you know i know i knew uh, a couple of electricians that worked on clockwork orange and you know they were they were the elderly statement statesmen of the electrical department yeah and they uh, you know because they didn't boast about it at all. He's like, yeah, I've worked, I've worked with Stanley Kubrick on one of his most iconic films, but they didn't go, oh, by the way, you know, the way to plug this in is, you know, when I was on Clockwork Orange, this is how we did it. Like, he wasn't, I'm, so I'm like the antithesis of the boaster, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really, like, I find that an abhorrent behavior in people oh, when yeah. they like to talk about 
as, as it has a lot to do with my own self-confidence or i don't actually think that i'm all that good so i won't i won't go and you know you know but you're uh, one of four or five guys in the world. Yeah, so. just yeah. <laughs> no. So not, not, not really very, Not that good. Yeah. Not that good, no. Anyway, average. No, anybody can do it. So Anybody uh, can do it. You just get an iPhone. Yeah, just and, drop and it jump in. in the water. And so then, you know, when you're trying to do these, you know, negotiations for these jobs, that that part of it comes into it, too. Oh, it's like, yeah. you know, well, why well, we can get some local guy to do it. I said, okay, well, you can go and do that if, if you want the film to look a certain way. <laughs> a certain uh, way. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Different than it would look if perhaps. I shot it. Well, perhaps, but then <laughs> yeah. you know that's a that's a. I mean, it it's, is. It's all about money these days, anyway. It always has been, but still. You know. It is so crazy. I mean, we talked about a little bit about when you see like the real, like the person who can see the real thing, and we, uh, Ben was help, Staley was helping me with like, hey, let's get you into film. I'm like, oh fuck, like it's demoralizing to be taught by somebody really good sometimes when you have no idea what you're doing, but it's also like extremely useful right you just cut through the shit but just seeing like how he sees things how you see things and then you know you see how zach and uh, you know real cinematographer people who really work the camera themselves and they make art at a, at a f extremely high level you just i don't know it's a, just a different you, not anybody can do it and that it's such a rare thing for somebody to be able to produce something let alone produce something that's supposed to have a return on investment in the art world like that that right. is really strange it takes a lot of discipline i think mm -hmm. and uh you know someone like zach snyder uh i worked with him i've worked with him on three films now at this point but uh when he did his last picture that we did was which was army of the dead he was um he directed it he wrote it with someone else mm -hmm. he was producing it he was he's the cinematographer and, and he, he also operated, operated, right? the, operated yeah. the camera operated the second camera yeah and and there were a lot of people who were making you know some judgmental comments about his work and i just said and i just i looked over and i just said this guy's shot and directed commercials and music videos for years and he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows exactly what he's looking for so pipe down there missy yeah. you know buttercup buttercup ginger <laughs> snowflake well, pipe down. maybe that's a real test too because um I, I like i think people that can do film and then they can pick up a camera and do it better than most professional photographers they like okay they they're they get something on a multi-dimensional level that like i can't get like i can do right. the one thing the other thing i can kind of think about and then it just you lose grip of it you like there's dimensions there that it's just that's learning and it's a lot of experience i think it's like a ton of time going back and forth watching the reaction from how you manipulate the camera uh, and, and obviously editing has a huge part to do with it too but uh, Zach is one of those people where man, he picks up like a like a, a fucking whatever that. Oh, was a the Canon Dream Lens or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like, that, no. like yeah, some of those portraits that he yeah. took, like of Jared, yeah, and some. I mean, and blown up. I mean, there's a fucking freaky, huge uh, print. Oh, Jared Leto. Yeah. Of, okay. Yeah. yeah. Jared Leto, um, in the guest room at the. Oh yeah, at the snow. <laughs> like I guess. At the head of the bed, I feel a little weird, but okay. <laughs> he's looking over you, but but he's it, it, yeah, remarkable eye yeah. for. But again, you know, with respect to you and your skill set, you know, I, I can I I come in in the gym and you know Michael, um, when I we were at gym, when when I was taking those courses at the um, other organization, um, you know, I found that Michael was. A, a, the instructor that I 
gravitated towards. There's there was the drill sergeant, and then there was Michael, who was calmly whispering. Um, um, he was whispering. You're gonna have to edit this because I can't remember the word. <laughs> he, was, he was go faster, you fuck. No, he was he was he was uh, whispering encouragement, and uh, just like little little drops here and there. And it wasn't yeah. like you know. So your skill set, I can come into the gym and I, and I feel completely. Uh, you know, inept when I come in here because mm. you know I don't do the volume of work that you do, and I don't, and I don't, I've never competed, and so your skill set with that kind of thing, it's like, oh, anybody can be a trainer. Yeah, just you know, uh, I yeah. got, I got, I took the course and I know how to do it, and it's like, no, you don't. I mean right? that that maybe that's the thing that just getting good at one thing helps right. you appreciate is like how fucking hard it is to get good at one thing, and then you you're. I'm greedy. I want to be good at a lot of different things. And I'm like, okay, I kind of understand light. Like I kind of understand what I like to see in cinematography or video. And I'm like, I am so far from seeing what I like to see or like producing it myself. Like I I, I can see and I can like, and I can then can't make. I think that's where it ends for most people, right? That most people get to the like, oh, I know what I like. And you know, I can I can but see it, but they can't do it. But how to yeah. make it? A lot of times is, is, yeah, it's uh, a life. It's a lifelong study. Like for oh, me, yeah. for example, it's a lifelong study. I got asked recently um, by IndieWire to comment on Gordon Willis's photography on The Godfather, for the fiftieth anniversary of The Godfather. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the the technology that they shot that film with. And you, you're looking at you like, oh, well, the lighting looks really, really simple. Somebody said that my lighting looks really simple. So, yeah, well, so if it's a simple lighting setup, then how is it? How is it iconic after all this? That all was, this that time, was really yeah. what the question was. So yeah. what what has his influence had? Mm. You know, and I just like, you know, uh, the choices that he made. No one else at the time. I mean, he basically took this like dirty gangster hey, I'm going to get you guys kind of concept. But then he added <laughs> he made it a complete art form. He completely revolutionized that part of cinema, in my opinion, and the opinion of many other people. But wow. you know, Francis Coppola. You know, that, I was saying I was chatting about this to Mark earlier, as I have this this affinity for films from the 1970s, where that's the, the generation of cinema that I kind of was. I was, I yeah. was my most sort of uh, influential because that's when I was growing up, and yeah. all that stuff was actually on television. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like the French Connection was on television or The Exorcist was on TV. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'd, you'd, you would flip the channels and you'd see you would see this like horrific thing and you, I would just be frozen or any of the Dirty Harry movies, any of that kind of stuff. So but and so you so how do you connect with current modern cinema now? I have to search a lot harder to find th- something that I Cause there's so much volume. There's so much volume, and I know that it's more of a disposable medium now because you know I'm not saying that the pandemic caused that, but I'm saying that everybody, you know, used the pandemic to blow through all this media, and I know that streaming is becoming more oh. of a thing now. But it's like you know the content is just it's just being filled it, it passed through like a like a river, and uh, it's crazy how much mm-hmm. n- new stuff like. I don't know, I'd get the Netflix thing or whatever, and it's just... It takes me half an it, hour to find something to watch. Well, yeah. I, I mean, let's watch like, a bunch of trailers and be like, well, this is all crap. Um, but just the amount of crap. Yeah. yeah no. Like the sheer volume of feces is, <laughs> is extraordinary. I mean, like, I guess, I guess they're just, you know, putting the camera there and something, maybe a lighter. T- I, don't, I don't know, like it how these things are getting made because like if you the, the 
three hundred is probably like the shortest shoot I've done. So, yeah, you know, six months or something. No, well, for the actual you know, just filming. the actual yeah. shooting. Yeah, I think it was just over six weeks. Oh yeah, okay. Like yeah. we didn't have maybe it was eight, but you're mm-hmm. talking about principal, like the actual. Yeah, the yeah, actual okay. the, the the actual film. You know, prep. That's a totally different thing. Yeah, but like. Uh, and that's a sign of being very Man well of Steel was well. 120 days. Yeah, yeah. And, like and, and they got and they got progressively longer, right? Justice yeah. League, you guys were there for almost a year. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Christ, you know, it's true. And so, but then, and then you think back and you go, okay, that's kind of in line with the 70s, where things took a year to make, not necessarily um, for you know any other reason than you know but some of it's just technology again and, and some then, of it's yeah. you know like oh we're well we're going to shoot outside like well it's cyclone season where you're going but okay I'm, yeah we're gonna uh, have to just we'll just we'll just wait yeah you know i mean but, Ian, uh, you made this comment the other day because you're, you're talking about the same thing about the 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 quantity that's out there like how they've like maybe because of the pandemic and people are stuck at home that they've really changed their scheduling for how they push things out and I think you're right. Like, man, there's a lot of shows. There's a lot of things that like came out, but you're like, very rarely am I like, man, that was amazing. Correct. And I think in, yeah. um, in especially because both of you are kind of like this. Uh, you said you like v- barely saw uh, the Snyder cut of Justice League the other day. Yeah, I I, I can't. I, when was it released? Was it released this year? I think it might have been in May of la- last I, year. Of last year. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, like a year ago, sure. almost. Yeah. That's embarrassing for me. But anyway, yeah. So I, I, I only <laughs> recently just saw it. Yeah. And uh, I did see the version that Zach did not have his name on that came out in the theater. Um, and the two of them are completely different. Is um, that bizarre? Yeah, they're just completely different. I but, was blown. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really, I wasn't surprised because when I saw the first one, we, we and Aaron went to the premiere. We, we got like kind of tricked into it. I know that seems like kind of a shit thing to say but i did not want to go to that thing there's like a lot was of that in la or in london it was in la okay uh they did uh the batman versus superman was in london wasn't it i didn't go to that one okay it was okay and then we went and we saw man of steel in new york yes like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, cool. the, the premiere for that for one the was school. really fun to go to that because that one was, was like, super fun that was really cool experience this one just I mean, maybe I should tell the whole story so people understand what state of mind I was. <laughs> yeah. We got invited to go. I didn't want to go to this thing, but I, I knew Aaron wanted to go. She didn't get to go to Man of Steel one, and so yeah. she like, and she worked really hard on that job. Like, it, it, it's I think it is something to do the whole celebration, even if you don't disagree with everything that goes on in movie making. It's just like this. Um, it's a nice like closing chapter to a thing that you've accomplished or survived and it's classy (laughs) because not every show does it yeah sure i got the invitation you know emailed yeah uh for myself plus one to go to batman versus superman and at the warner brothers studios but so you know and you know rap parties or whatever but Mm -hmm. you're there you're there for prep you're there for prep you're there for the whole thing and then it finishes and then you know the movie comes out and it's up to you if you want to go and see it i think the polite classy way to do it is for them to say hey we appreciate for the work yeah. that you've done here's an invitation you know get dressed up sure. everyone's gonna watch so, so sorry go on. It, no no it's, I, th- I think you're right i think that's like uh it's a and i think zach is probably one of the more generous people when it comes to yes. that like the weird part about it is watching his process uh, on justice like i had to be on set more than i've ever had to be on set and it was it was like man it was painful it was, yeah. I, I, man, I appreciated so much about all the movies that we could like 
stay back for especially when we're on the lot jim's on the lot we don't have to really be in there but there were some weird dynamics where I don't know, people flex and they want their crew around. Yep. And there's a lot of this like, oh, God, I'm part of like a, I don't know, a, not groupies. Posse. But yeah, I'm, I'm a part of a <laughs> Entourage. Posse. Yeah, hey. entourage is a good name for it because it's fucking pathetic. There's a lot of standing around. And it's like, I just don't like being useless. And then, so there's a lot of mixed feelings about that. But going to the premiere was pretty interesting, especially because I found a joint on the street in L.A. that was new. And so me and my friend smoked it right before. <laughs> And we, it's uh, legal in California. Yeah, I've and, heard. And then I spoke to it, I was like, I don't know what's in that joint. That was probably a bad idea. And then the movie started and then the mustache cover scene came. And I was like, what was in that joint? Like, there's no way the movie is this bad. Like, I'm like <laughs> tripping. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, look, I'm like having a panic attack. Cause I'm like, did they have like PCP or some yeah. shit in it? What Meth, the fuck yeah. did I do? <laughs> what did I just get into? You're like, nope, they really just... No, covered up the mustache. No, it's <laughs> no, really, it really there. was that bad. You were not that high. No, and that, so we gets, they were just that bad. <laughs> we, we get to the movie, and I was like, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I was there. I I was on set. I watched a lot of those things be filmed, and that is not the movie that I saw. Now I know they did like I don't know a couple of ten million in reshoots or something because I yeah. know it was a huge pain in the ass for everybody. Everybody involved hated that second sequence it went on with uh joss or whatever uh, which i had nothing to do with but then you see zach's version and you go how the fuck yeah no it really is a work of art as far as that genre is concerned yeah and then uh you know i I, it's i think the original plan was was released as a five-part series or Mm six-part series or something like that four to five i think it was and i thought that's kind of interesting and then they and then they bailed on that i think as we were discussing, I think it's like a actor residual thing for streaming uh, residuals. They probably just said, "F that, we'll we'll drop the whole thing all at once." And and you know all the the fans who essentially were the ones who were pleading for the film to be released in that form because they knew yeah. that there was a cut out there. And you know, the interesting little uh, Easter eggy thing was when we were working on Army of the Dead. Zach had the actual all the film rolls in the vault that the uh, Dave Bautista's crew when they broke into the vault and they found the vault. Uh, and underneath, those are all the reels. Yeah, those are the reels from um, Justice League. That Zach's, that's a Snyder <laughs> that's, cut sitting in there. There's not Easter a lot egg. of people that know that. Yeah, and so I, I know you, what, what blew me away. Like I've been holding out because um, when I went out to um, do the podcast with Zach last year, we talked a little bit, and he was telling me that there was going to be he was going to do a black and white version or a mono, you know, monochrome Correct. version. And I was like, oh well, I'm going to wait for that for sure. There's no yeah. and and then I'd never heard anything more about that until you just said yeah. it exists yeah. it's just it, it yeah. you know it's harder to find i i so i was staying at an airbnb and yeah. the guy had you know hbo max and i said well i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna watch justice league finally yeah so sunday when i was recovering from one of michael and aaron's you know destructive <laughs> workouts where my joints were all not able to function uh i put it on and i was like holy i was completely engaged in the entire thing and I could remember what bits I could barely remember what bits were in the original Justice League. But anyway, yeah. Um, so then it was finished. And I'm like, well, oh, geez, you know, I thought, uh, I wonder if if they would have the the mono the gray version. It's called Justice is Gray or something like that. And I started searching. Bloop, there it is. And I go, oh my god, I've just found it. I should have watched that one first. So I watched <laughs> it again. Oh, nice. And uh, and then I sent Zach a message to let him know that it was really a beautiful, uh, magnificent effort. Um, and um, you know there were there was there was some 
the, a lot of the story of it is like rooted in mythology and religion, which mm-hmm. I'm 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 not interested in neither. But uh, just the effort that went into the backstories of all of those characters and the the sort of the branches and and roots of all the trees. Uh, of, of all the very characters that all interrelate, I thought that all the work that went into that was fairly, um, it was it was immaculate the way that that was presented. So I thought that, you know, th- there was a, I think there was initially a plan that they were going to release um, maybe hour, ep- you know, maybe half hour to hour episodes on the mythology and the religion of each of those mm. s- um, separate um, individual. Um, episodes if they released them in that format but then that whole thing got scrapped but uh, see that that's just there's a lot it's it's no it's no, no different from oh you know you just throw the camera in the water and anybody can do it it's like oh just you know write a superhero movie anybody can do it not with that detail yeah no you know? yeah and so. then when you people talk about like the you know the Snyderverse or whatever yeah you know that's it, uh, obviously it's there's a tremendous amount of work and detail that's that's involved in it, yeah. and, um, and and maybe less so from, you know, in some other superhero vert universes. Oh, I agree. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Where there's like, oh yeah, this you can always have the Iron Man character and whichever thing because, you know, I don't know. Because he saves every franchise by just putting him in it just like immediately ticket sales go up and (laughs) you have some kind of comedic relief he fulfills like kind of the the whole he's he's the best token character i think the first iron man film was actually was a good film i thought it was it was it was uh good humor it didn't take itself seriously and robert downey jr was a perfect choice for that the casting everything was great and i couldn't believe that john favreau actually directed that movie but anyway of course (laughs) like everything because it makes money they have to make a whole bunch of other movies and of course they never they you know you know i I can say that chris nolan's batman pictures i thought they were exemplary i thought that every single one of them was amazing standard yeah you know but you know there was a lot complaints it was too dark and too seriously and didn't take itself you know it it, it took itself too seriously i mean the new batman film that came out with robert pattinson i thought was also magnificent the way that yeah. that was it's a detective story and yeah. the batman parts are secondary instead yeah. of them being in the forefront see i don't think a lot of superhero films you know use that ideology at all you know? yeah they use the popularity so. of the character to kind of set the premise for everything but it, like batman in the comics has so many different genres in itself yeah. like there, there's the dark knight and then there's dark wing and then there's a detective series and so i i appreciate when somebody can pick up on which one they did and i think nolan i mean you could have this art all of the jokers are really kind of good in their own way minus maybe a couple right but like jack nicholson's joker man like you can't not appreciate how good that movie was in the, the best, original the best line in the original batman <laughs> the best line was uh he's in the mirror Remember this? He's in the mirror. He's like doing his tie or whatever. And Jerry Hall comes up behind him. And she's like, I'm going to get the lines wrong. But she's like, um, you look great. Or you look amazing. And he goes, and he, he doesn't even, I don't even think he looks at her. He goes, I didn't ask. <laughs> I do remember that. That's such a good line. <laughs> like that's the only thing I remember about that whole film. Uh, <laughs> apart from, you know, Michael Keaton going, I'm Batman. But uh, that line was, he was like, he was impeccably, it was impeccably delivered. That, I, but he, when you see Heath Ledger is the joke, you're like, yeah, he was great. Oh, too, what the fuck? It, but 
all, even the last the Joker movie was amazing, and I thought the the last Batman was really really good. So like, there's so many variations that can have. I I think that's maybe why superhero movies can be redone so many times because the mythology that goes with them is almost a hundred years old. So you have every incarnation that you could then make a adaptation to a film to kind and of you can follow. choose whichever adaptation yeah. you want to follow no no, no mm. we're only we're going to cut that yeah. part off at the legs we're only going to have the bit from the, the just up or whatever right? yeah. yeah i don't think uh, like honestly i don't think i'll ever get tired of having like a new batman movie that will never no. really no. get old yeah um i got sick of pretty much every other character. i mean superman great but also it's not as much as depth that Zach brought to it, it's not a deep character to me. Like it's, 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 I had to think about it conceptually different in order to appreciate what he was doing with it. But it's like, if they made another Superman, I don't know. I, I would care. But Batman, I don't know. It, it's like a, might have something it, to do with how you relate to the character because could. you know that he's, he's out for, he's out for revenge for I, what happened to his parents. I think of him as self-made. Right. right, and I think of him as yeah, although rich, but he's self-made, as in he had to make himself super. It's a good dichotomy that his character is so abhorrent as a human. Yeah, I know yeah. he's a human as a superhero as well, yeah, yeah. but you know his alter ego is Wayne, like yeah. he's the most abhorrent. He had to make him so abhorrent, yeah. or or in the new one, he's reclusive. He's this all. He's this um, alt. You know they call him. They go. It's the emo Batman. Is it? But it's like you know. He's like <laughs> the, the the dark loner weirdo. Weird, you know, guy with the with the what do you call those things? The the um the satchel bags. Oh, the, man the, bag, yeah, man, man purse. Exactly. Well, I got one right there. That's actually <laughs> pretty funny. He is kind of the emo Batman. <laughs> yeah, but he's great. He's yeah. uh, he's a very good actor. He's uh, he's um Robert Pattinson. I got. I actually worked with him in the water on uh, the second Twilight film called New Moon, and uh, my daughter. You know that those those books were. Um, my daughter was really into the Hunger Games books, and you yeah. know the, the Twilight books were a little bit had a bit a little bit too much sexuality in them for me to be you know oh yeah here honey here yeah. here dad's gonna bring you your Christmas present it's a, it's a Twilight <laughs> book and I was like okay well I'm, uh, so the movies they took a lot of that sort of sexuality it's in there but it's not like True Blood where there was you know full yeah. on cupboard munching going on yeah, yeah. but um, so you know my daughter was interested in that kind of thing and so when she learned that I was gonna be working with Robert Pattinson and you know I I just thought you know if you watch those I mean even when we went so talk, talk about going to see a film mm -hmm. that you worked on and you go to see the cast and crew screening and you're like holy shit the acting in this film is so bad it's gonna happen yeah. right? especially yeah. and here's i think the thing that most people don't understand until you've been on a movie set seen what goes on seen kind of like where the direction is coming from which is a lot of the times not from the director Right, yeah. the, the direction is coming from like we need to inject, you know, in the worst case scenario, last minute, we need some kind of comedic relief, and it changes the entire feel yeah. of the film. Like, there, uh, Suicide Squad, I think, was like one of those things that got altered last minute in order to like keep up with other successful yeah. Marvel things where they, you know, they went yeah. back and kind of rewrit, rewrote what was going on, and you're like, it's not necessarily that the actors are bad, Mo most actors are fairly talented. Right, like yeah. most of them, mo most have like extremely, um, I don't know, they they have a, a a charisma to them that you just you know it's practice. Or they're bringing something to the role. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. how it gets cut and how it gets edited, you, I tend to look at it like a lot like how you'd look at a, a reality show. You're like those people have no control how they're portrayed. Right now, there's some degree of them in their portrayal. They're you know catty or bitchy or whatever that that's there but man it is really easy to edit somebody 
horribly or to yep. change it to make it look a certain way. Well, Mark will know about that in press and press interviews. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to say, but in, in reality TV, um, specific uh, genre or actually a specific reality TV show, mm -hmm. they never were able to get the douche out of the douchebag. True. <laughs> it's like, it's, well, I think and, if you're on a reality show, yeah. you've done something wrong in the first place. And then and then some people go back. <laughs> I actually worked on one when I was uh, when I first uh, when I was moving up from uh, assistant to operator. Uh, you're going you're to be at the bottom of the barrel. You're not going to yeah. get all the top jobs or anything. So um, you have to take whatever you get. So any job you get, you use it as experience. You don't use it as, you know, you're going to put on your resume, just right. experience working with different people or whatever. And um, so this one was about a, uh, a a woman who was a photographer who, and she had this um, this group of friends around her. And some one of them was a rapper and one of them was a fashionista, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, it's their inter And so I'd never worked on one of these things before. And, and the director was like, you know, go back and say that part again, but say it like you're mad. And he was directing them. And so he was, he was changing the dialogue. He was telling them what to say and stuff. And I go, this isn't a reality show. This is yeah. like, you know, oh, some yeah. bad, whatever. But <laughs> it's I, terribly and, scripted. And, and, and more's the fool who thought it was reality. And I was a total <laughs> fool. Cause I was like, you know, you know, you got like 17 cameras or a big brother or whatever the yeah. hell those shows yeah, yeah. were. I never got into any of them, but you're like, what the heck? Wait, so, you know, and some of the gals I was dating were like watching this stuff religiously. And I was like, what is this crap you're numbing your, your mind with? It's exactly you know? that. It's not, I'm trying to numb my mind yeah. with it i had a hard day at work i want yeah. to come home i turn the television on i don't want to totally I, don't think. I have one show that will do that for it's yeah. the worst one of them all it's a selling sunset it's it's the the worst fucking show you've ever seen in your life it's never heard of it the worst human behavior the the like i, I don't know it's terror it's total They're garbage real chores right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I, allegedly <laughs> allegedly yeah <laughs> and and they just i mean they dress up for the the funny thing about it is like man that reality you know tv stars or whatever they are so over the top because it's um it's almost a desired position in life and i didn't think it was desired until one of our clients that go here started filming for one that and it's like oh Oh yeah, it's fucking insane to see like the amount of prep and like at first it started as out, well maybe I'll do this thing and then it was like okay I'm gonna do this thing and it's like I'm gonna do this thing and now I'm this character and now I have to do this thing and they and she she's like oh man I really want to have them come in here and film and I was like <laughs> absolutely that's not. absolutely no a hundred percent not those people can fuck right off yeah. like I, with the old organization there was like some a couple of different pitches oh yeah you know about it and you know one as early as 2007 i can't remember that guy's name but i have a pretty clever sizzle reel um <laughs> still from that but then there was a like an actual reality show and so and they came and talked to us a little bit and i was just like so tell me what are the you know the nuts and bolts of this and you get to start understanding how these things are made and refer to what michael said about they can make you say anything that you know uh and, and portray you in any way they want it was something like yeah it's around 60 or 65 hours of footage per 24 yeah. minute episode or whatever 
Holy mother. And, That's insane. Wow. And I just went, oh, so you can really, from that, you can write whatever you want. You can, yeah. you can make it be whatever you want. There's like a hundred different versions of your 24 minutes in those 60 plus yeah. hours of film. And it just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, and then they also set up the scenarios too, which is like, oh yeah, it's, it's not like they're they're so. Saw your girlfriend making out with that other. Well, I don't <laughs> know what that other. Yeah, it's that kind person. of shit, though. It's yeah. like this is what am I? I'm watching. I'm watching you amplify the worst in human behavior, which is not being catty or jealous or greedy or any of that stuff. It's doing something for the camera that's the worst human behavior. Which, which is, people want to watch. Yeah, right? which is so, kind of yeah. the... Man, I started um, ranting... Um, my ranting authorship, I guess. <laughs> because something popped into my head the other day. Like, all of these experiences... Like, humanity is kind of changing, right? The, the, the diva nature of actors and you know the, like high profile celebrities i guess because it, it's not just actors it's very humble and really awesome people that act um, but the limelight tends to shift somebody one way or another right um and and the separation because of the necessity to separate uh from actual society and actual reality and then project yourself causes this um, disconnection between like what you are and who you project yourself to be. Correct. It's, like it makes sense when you see it. You're like, it's, I, I, it makes sense. It sucks. Like, it, you know, you do not want any of your friends to go down that road because at the end they probably won't be your friends. But now what you see is is the past couple of years people have just been so, um, I don't know. They've been programmed and conditioned to get the most attention possible this is a i want to say that it's not new but it is fairly new how it works how you're like your whole interaction online or whatever is to is to get as many likes as possible it's to get attention and to actually like out attention the person who has attention so if somebody's you know quote unquote post is doing well you'll figure a way to use their post to get attention for yourself and i was like whatever that's social media no it's not now it's real life like at the Dave Chappelle show, that's what was happening. You know, you have one of the best performing comedians of all time that finally gets to come to the city. And he hasn't been here since I think 2004 because he fucking hates Salt Lake. <laughs> and he comes back and he just, it's not even like heckling. It's not somebody like fucking with him. It's literally just people yelling shit because they want attention. That That's right. what you're like you paid to hear yourself scream over, you know, a couple thousand people You're like that. This, this is the strangest thing. And I was like, Oh, just maybe it's his comedy. Maybe it's that. And then we went to this fucking show the other night. Uh, this artist, um, he's really good. Like he's, he's a weird, it's like a weird genre of music. So it's a little bit different. It's like ceremonial music. So he, pl- he plays like all these traditional instruments, but he'll loop them and play themselves. Like, so it's organic music, but he uses digital, right. you know, accessories to kind of help him uh, do it. And we're like, oh, cool. Like, it'll be really rad to watch him do his thing. And however contrived, you're going to see some weird people show up to that because, you know, he's a weird hippie, kind of boho fucking, I don't know, this new pseudo spirituality realm. And I can get over any of that most of the time. And plus Adam hooked us up because he's rad. 
Um, so I, I really wanted to see him. And I was uh, just like, man, it looks like there's a little Burning Man going on across the street from my place. That's kind of yeah. Yeah, it, the clubhouses. It was worse. Uh, it was probably worse. Okay. <laughs> um, and and like we potentially we've been talking to him about doing a podcast. So I really wanted to like, oh, let's see, like I want to see if it's genuine. I want to see if you like his music, if he's like the artist that I think he is. He seems like a really genuine person. So I wanted to go see it in fucking 30 seconds into him starting his set people like no look at me i've got more feathers than the other person and i can dance weirder and i can do like you can't even see the guy i can't even see the performance because people want to be the performance and it's like this is this never happened before i've seen hundreds of musical performances i've never seen so many people try to outperform the performer vying for the spotlight and i'm like oh it's this that that we all, I mean, social media has turned us all into wannabe reality stars. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm like outside of it. Like we're, we're trying to get attention to sell our thing too, right? Like, hey, look at us over here. I wrote this thing about paying attention and not paying attention, which is kind of paradoxical, but it's also, you know, what our society is creating. <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a manual ag- algorithm for like humanity. And it's fucking disgusting. I remember when a, a friend at work was like, uh, Oh, my friend, uh, look at my friend's photographs. He just showed them mm. to me on his phone. And I go, what, what, uh, what platform is this? He says, oh, it's Instagram. And I hadn't, I wasn't really on Instagram at that point. And so uh, he goes, yeah, he gets paid to go everywhere. He gets paid to take mm. photographs. Ever, ever, you know, this is Norway. This is, you know, fucking Sweden. This is, you know, the Appalachians, whatever. And so I'm like, I look at the guy's photographs and, you know, they were competently taken photographs, mm. but they weren't, they didn't really appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that they were poor or anything, but I just thought, you know, so who pays for this guy's, and I, and I started to ask the questions. I was like, well, so th- who pays for this guy's expenses when he's on the road? Well, no, the, 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 the people that are, that he's taking photos for, like who, well, you know, a camera strap or you yeah. know, whatever, a camera bag or whatever else. And so it became possible for people, younger mm-hmm. people to look at Instagram and use it as, you know, I can do anything I want with my life. Yeah. And, you know, one of my agents at one point said that some uh, agencies were looking to pick people as mm-hmm. DPs from the Instagram um, profiles. Oh, yeah. And that that's when I was like, holy, it's all changed. There's no, you know, I can say that there's no talent involved. Um, Do you know what I just saw know? as a metric the other day that kind of blew my mind? They're looking at new CrossFit athletes and like the the up and coming cream of the crop people that are Mm -hmm. like lifting and winning matches and like, you know, scoring very high in like regionals and potential games winners. They try to look back like you can kind of see it, right? The Medeiros, man, he was like winning shit at 16 and now he's won the games. But um, one of the metrics in there besides their actual performance was how many Instagram followers they got over the past year. That's like a sign of how successful they're going to be. And you're like. Yep, Mark went through that when Mark went through that when he was uh, when he was fishing. <laughs> fishing is the wrong word, but he was looking around at a publisher to potentially do refuge. And oh, yeah, I think yeah. that one of the at least and one of the people. Yeah, so I'll let you tell it. I yeah, there there was a and 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 it came to us for the original poison idea too mm-hmm. was like the the publisher they want you to do their work for them mm-hmm. via your social media platform. And they're just like, oh, you don't have X hundred thousand of followers, so there's no way your book will ever be popular. Yeah. Kind of story, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, well, you know, the only reason I would consent to have a relationship with 
you know, a representative of a bullshit industry, <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> at least in this day and age, um, would be for you to actually do the work of yeah. publicizing the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, marketing the book, you know, pr- yeah, you'll produce it and everything, but you, you know, that's part of the deal is the, you know, publisher, the marketing is yeah. the, uh, as a publisher, you know, at least maybe I'm a bit of a Luddite and, you know, mm-hmm. just think, you know, thinking back how it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, th- that just absolutely blew me away. And yeah. I mean, I know one of the things, I mean, we're crap at, at marketing, but at least, you know, we don't put out shitty products. Yeah. I, and there's something to be said. Like, I, I'm not against, like... These I mean, I did just pat us on the back maybe a little too strongly. No, I, I don't think so. Because, I well, A, I was laughing mostly because that, that probably... A publisher not believing in us is probably the best thing that could ever happen to us. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, easily the best yeah. thing. And this this is... This is kind of the the guy who's running around taking pictures and getting paid to travel. Fucking awesome. Like, yeah, good for that, him. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's kind of what Aaron does, right? Like Aaron gets paid from multiple different companies to like just do her thing. They don't pay her specifically. She doesn't have to post about something specifically. Um, but companies want to be attached to her because she's edging educating people about diet she's you know using these products on a daily basis so they just end up being part of the practice or whatever right and in the meantime if she has a competition they pay for her to go to the competition or they pay that's great you know whatever it's 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 a it's not like the full paid gig that this guy might have where you know it's the dream blogger or whatever which i find out only lasts I don't know. It's got a two-year lifespan, oh, if, if that. If that, yeah. You know, for a lot sure. Of, a lot of the whole, uh, yeah. and I loved that whole. I thought it was quite funny, actually. The whole um, pushback against all the influencers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a guy who's got an ice cream truck and uh, he's got a big sun <laughs> in the window. It says, um, um, "Influencers pay double." Yeah. You know, because they're all like, oh, you know, can I get a free ice cream and I'll tag you and, you know, I'll take a picture of you and, you know, he's like, well, he goes, fuck you. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. yeah. You know, what yeah. do you do? You eat free, you get free shit. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, there's, there's, so. some, there's some degree of it that I like, I can appreciate. There's some like, okay, the world has opened up and now we don't, because I've, I've never used these like barriers to entry for that are, I guess, normal other than, man, I think I apprenticed. I apprenticed in pretty much every profession that I've done. Right. right. The first profession in, in, in working on cars and doing body work and working on engines Man, I spent a lot of time hanging around the guys that could do it, and they gave me the hardest fucking time. I didn't make a dime from any job that I've really like been an apprentice for, other than to survive. I was gonna say, it's still true to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I still, to be fair, I still feel like I'm apprenticing. You know, I, like I don't know what the final form is, but I know that I'm still learning stuff, and I'm still trying to like put things together in you know a comprehensible way that'll eventually be the the you know the product that i think will be me um and i so i'm not opposed to these like not have you know you didn't go to school therefore you don't deserve to make this or whatever because i think that's that that's kind of like just a pissy way of saying that you regret what you've done with your time and and i think that is different but there is man i am sick of you know looking to the side of people to see the picture that they're taking right like the, every every fucking tourist now they're they're taking a picture of the monument or the thing but it's of them in the thing in that they want to be the monument they yeah. 
like, what are you trying to show me? It's like you in the place, but I can't see the place because you're in the fucking way. But that's a good way to describe it. You're in the way. Yeah, but it's not. It's like it's great. I'm following this person, so I do want to be involved. But also, um, I guess this is the me generation. Like everything has become shockingly about the individual, and it, it's it's hard to you know kind of parse the difference because you to you to you has to be the most important thing it's when you think you need to be the most important thing to other people that it becomes an issue and yeah. i think that's where you run into all these kind of fucking diva problems i don't even know how we got on this but it's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> diva problems i mean diva yeah, we, problems yeah. uh, we were talking about the diva problems. <laughs> i guess it's interrelated it yes. comes naturally Maybe. or and it's not just it can the, be i think you know, most actors are out divaed by influencers these days. Like it's, you know, it's not it's not new, I guess. No, but you know, it turns out that if you keep doing what you're doing mm-hmm. for long enough and pay enough attention mm. and practice and think and analyze and that sort of thing, you get better at it. Yeah, and then eventually. You might, someone might notice how good you are at it, right? Which then relates. I mean, then and 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 that appreciation can you know come in the form of uh, different and better jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, Um, and you know more responsibility. (laughs) Well, we think we can put Ian on this one, and and we'll get what we want. Or you can pick an influencer as a DP from Instagram and see what the fuck <laughs> see, happens. Yeah, exactly. Just um, go ahead and take that iPhone 13 into the water with you. We'll give you another one. It just, uh, okay. Yeah, exactly, because you tried. But, um, I mean, a, a, a pretty cool thing that I enjoyed last year was how excited you were that work that you did actually was really appreciated and nominated for yeah um couple of couple of different awards right uh the rescue yeah yes yeah um yeah i know that that's a job that i um or that's an experience that i didn't i never foresaw that that was going to happen yeah. you never you never really do i don't know what i'm going to do um every year is different but um, sure certainly um the genesis for that project was I believe it or not, um, a co-conspirator of Marx and his, I mean, a major um, force in his life and someone who has been on this show twice, I think, twice or three times. Yeah, twice. Um, yeah. And that was Mr. Scott Backes, mm. who um, I have a lot of love for and for not really knowing him that well. Uh, he's just a, he's just an amazing human being. Um, but, um, so basically I went to the Seattle Marriott, I think it was in 2017 for Mark to receive the, uh, we did, the formerly known as <laughs> Underhill Award, <laughs> yeah. which is, um, uh, climbing, a climbing <laughs> honor bestowed upon, you know, people like, uh, Yvonne Schuenard, I believe received it. Alex Honnold, uh, um, Conrad Anker, uh, exemplary alpinists, um, of of whatever the generation they were part of yeah and so mark mark was receiving this and i was in town to photograph it so that was the first thing that we started shooting on the reality bath documentary 
Um, and, uh, and so I got to meet Scott Backies. And in Mark's speech, he, um, he got quite emotional mentioning Scott uh, as part of his life. And it was important for him. I think it was really, it's, it, again, under the auspices of me, 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 you know, Mark brought his person that was there with him on a lot of these climbs. So that was completely selfless, I thought. that he, Instead of just, you know, oh, I was me. I, I got the award. You're not part of this. So, I, I mean, I thought that was amazing that he, uh, you know, that Scott was there. And he should have been there. So, um, anyway, talking to Scott. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, we were there afterwards at the awards. And, you know, Jimmy Chin was there. And, you know, you know Conrad was getting an award. So, all these, you know, the, the who's who of the Alpine, Alpine, Alpine community was there. And so, you know, I got word that there was this uh, Thai Cave Rescue documentary happening and that Jimmy Chin and his wife, uh, Chai Vassarelli, were doing it. And so um, Backy's, I can't remember the exact way it went, but Backy's got a hold of me and he said, um, uh, we started talking, whatever. And then he, he said he would get a hold of Jimmy and f figure out, find out what's going on with it. And then he said, uh, you know, I remember that he sent the, the, I remember the text he sent. It was basically... Uh, um, I spoke with Jimmy. Um, he's in need of your talents, and he's expecting your phone call. And I was like, "Leave it, to, leave it to, leave it to Scott to do, you know, to do that." So I spoke with Jimmy, and this was during the pandemic, mm. right? So I was on the road. I was driving down to Los Angeles. Uh, everything was closed. You know, everything was like, you know, of course the highways Ghost were full because yeah. everybody was traveling. Yeah, go but, camping. Uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> Um, or but, trying to find baking supplies. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, because they'd run out of uh, yeast or uh, yeah, you know sourdough, sourdough starter <laughs> kit. kit. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> pulled over in some place in California. Had a little thirty-second conversation with Jimmy, and um, you know Jimmy Chin is a he's a he's a globally recognized uh, alpine photographer and climber, and he's been doing it for a long time. He's Canon-sponsored photographer. The first thing I asked him was, "Do I have to use Canon cameras and camera lens camera?" Canon uh, lenses and he says oh shit no you know but um it wasn't that I don't like using them I just wanted to know yeah. I, I need to know because if, it, if it's an you know a camera going in an underwater housing I have to know exactly what camera I can put in yeah, yeah. and so I had to yeah. so you know do I have the choice or do, are you or you know are you dictating this choice and because he, just as an aside I mean we talk, we're talking about this a little bit um a, a, a housing for a proper cinema camera an underwater housing for a proper cinema camera um, depending on, you know, I mean, they're almost, they'd be custom made for certain cameras and, the, Correct. and they can cost up to, I mean, a hundred thousand for, for the, just for the for housing, just for yeah. The housing. Yeah. not the camera, not the lens, not any of the accessories, <laughs> just the housing itself. You're talking about engineering. You're talking about yeah. somebody who engineers the thing oh, yeah. to make sure that, it, or you can just get a, a cylindrical tube and then have a device that can do all the control. All the cameras are all different. All the yeah. input, all the menu systems for Sony are different from red. Yeah. They're different from uh, Aeroflex. So um, anyway, and I've invested, you know, I've got a couple of different housings, but I haven't gone bananas. Like I had a red housing for a while and then I ended up only doing like three red jobs. And then I just realized, and then I had people who were like, hey, would you be possibly interested in selling that? I said, yes, I would, because I'm not really using much of this stuff. Yeah. A lot of the natural history stuff that you see on either BBC Planet Earth or Netflix or whatever, mm -hmm. they used a lot of red cameras. So those guys, that's their that's their yeah. main camera they use for that stuff. I typically don't do that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, uh, I had a brief conversation with Jimmy, went down, and then after that conversation, I started my research. And that was March of 2020. I did not get to the UK. The film was based in the UK because the production had already been underway for about two years with a previous director who was released from the project 
And because Jimmy and Chai had won the Academy Award for Free Solo, they had a first look deal with National Geographic. And part of that was the fact that now that they've released this director from this project, but they've invested quite a bit of money in, they need someone who can take over it, who's got some competence. So Jimmy and Chai were brought onto that and they had been working with it for on a couple of months and they realized that they had zero footage of the actual rescue operation zero there was no gopros there was no <sighs> footage at all and so the original idea was and not too many people know this and i'm probably going to get sued <laughs> but the original idea with the, the original director he, he was yeah he wanted to animate the, the sequence and nat geo uh. was like no fucking yeah, so, that doesn't seem very geographic. I did see the uh, animation. It's got kind of that neo-Russian. Um, it was it was it was interestingly animated, if you will. Okay. Um, not in a not in a you know Pixar way, but um, anyway, there was imagery associated with that animation that that the filmmakers still liked, and they wanted to recreate Re -re that yeah. look of it. So I was tasked with being uh, responsible with putting the, we had to recreate the rescue, which means we had to work with the real rescue divers that did the rescue operation. And uh, so this, Mark, is the, this is the, the one off the North Sea, right? No, this is the Thai cave rescue, the Tom Luang cave system in oh, Thailand, okay. where yeah. the um, 13, 12 boys and one coach. So 13 people were trapped inside the, it's nine chambers in this in this oh, cave, shit. and it's it's a it's a people often say, well, why was the coach so stupid to take the kids in there? Why were the kids in there? How do they get trapped? Blah, 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 blah. But it's basically it's it's no different from say going up Mount Wire yeah. or going to the Grouse Grind in, in right. Vancouver. It's a thing that people do. They just go there and they go into the cave, and it's spiritual and yeah. it's it's just what they do. So the kids went in there, and it was flooding. It was monsoon season, and then they they, uh, they realized they couldn't get out uh, because each level that they had passed through was now filling up with water gotcha okay. so uh we had to recreate all of this and so <clears throat> i saw quite a few cuts that they had edited together from previous um the you know a combination of the previous director's uh, work and also what jimmy and shy had brought on and i worked very closely with your editor bob eisenhart who also was heavily awarded for a free solo so um you know i started uh, once the deal was made um and again, the whole thing was, was structured so that, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We don't, we're not this big budget Hollywood Superman movie. You know, we have to work. So, you know, you, you make concessions to work on projects that are. That seem cool. Correct. Yeah. Or important to you or, or whatever. Yeah. Or, the, you know, the, the end result could be, you know, illuminating. And so um, there were three projects at the same time. Not at the same time, sorry. There's three projects with the same subject. So there's, um, there's this film, The Rescue. Then there's a Netflix uh, miniseries on the the kids and then there is the ron howard a theatrical version mm -hmm. storytelling of um just with you know with actors like mm -hmm. vigo mortensen plays one of the people and colin farrell and stuff and so i just thought if i'm going to be attached to any of these three things i'd rather me personally i'd rather be attached to the documentary because it's a thing that i would watch yeah yeah so um uh, first thing was to start to hire to hire a crew and so going through all the uh the cuts and i had a lot of different uh, had there's a Thai version of PBS and they had a very v well mapped out version and it's a combination of looking at all the material that's out online and of course that's always accurate and um, <laughs> then then seeing the differences in the in the in the not only the cut but also the the national sorry the, the the Thai PBS version which was the most in depth of any of the yeah. with all the details and stuff so 
you can't put everything in. You have to, you know, cherry pick what you're going to put in and out. So I had to hire the whole crew and I had to design and build the cave sets. I didn't design them, but I had to find a guy who could design and build the cave sets and we had to make them. And then we had to, then I had to uh, get um, in contact with the divers and I had to gain their trust because I'm going to be photographing them, recreating the rescue attempt that they did and not the number one thing they were worried about was that I was going to make them look stupid. And so uh, I had, you have to, it's no different from any kind of documentary project. You, you either you need to be in the room or you need to be in the environment with the people so that they just get used to you being around. So that they're not always staring at the camera or looking at you or why are you here when I'm, you know, making my lunch or whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, I was a lot of phone calls, a lot of WhatsApp blew up all the time. I was always on the phone with these guys or texting them or whatever. And, you know, first first it was email introductions and then, you know, and I knew that they were a little bit prickly and, you know, um, one of them was a retired firefighter and he's, they're all very practically minded people because they go down yeah. like hundreds of feet into cave systems with no fear. Yeah. And they're down there for hours. It and does still, not seem practical to me. No, and they're still alive. <laughs> you know, they're no, they're really no different from what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to disagree with that, but but, no, no, no. But it's like you got one people going up who are who are extreme alpinism, alpine style. Yeah, and then there's the guys who go down and they go down for hours and they go really deep and you're like, you're that's insane. You go climbing, you go ice climbing off of a waterfall with no belay system at all. That's insane. You're like, that's not insane. I do it. So it's the same thing. It's like you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these guys were, and they had homemade equipment. And you're oh, like, really? at that depth, you would want several redundancy systems. And some of these guys are like, no, you know, I trust my gear. And you're like, wow. So mind blown almost every day. So initially the producers were like, why does he have to be there for so long? Because my prep, I wanted to start in September and we were going to shoot. So I was there for six to eight weeks in prepping. So every single day I worked. On, there was no days off. Right. Just like Tom Cruise says, I don't have any days off. So, you know. <laughs> He doesn't talk like that, but anyway. Um, if he, he would if he was Batman. I suppose he would. But, uh, well, that'd be interesting. You get Tom Cruise to play Batman. Um, anyway, there's a lot of work that went into it. And then at one point, the communications with the line producer stopped happening. And I couldn't ever figure out why. And, like, you know, even to the point of me trying to get over there on a plane, it, it's just like the communication just dropped dead. And then, and eventually all last minute, you know, everything was fine. And so we went over there and did all that. And we even had a situation whereby we, uh, we went, we shot in two different tanks. We had to shoot it in a tank because we had to create a cave yeah. system. And, you know, everyone says, oh, and did so you? The, the cave system that was designed and those sets were like submersed. Correct. They yeah. were built in a studio in Southern Wales by a guy named Rod Voss, whose company, I can't remember. Uh, he had made the arrows and the shields for Gladiator. Armad, oh. um, had something to do with an armadillo. Huh. I can't remember. I feel silly not remembering this. But anyway, um, we were surveying a couple of different tanks, and I know we had a um, we had a, a production manager who 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 never really worked on something of this scale before, and. 
like this to me was a lower scale and this to him was a massive high scale. So there, okay. there was varying yeah. levels of, of um, you know, and I, and my, my right hand man, I hired um, a first assistant director. I went through four or five guys who done big bond movies and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, they smelled, they smelled it right away. They were like, you know, this is not the project for me because they knew it was a little bit disorganized and I was organizing everything. And so um, like the, the line producer would just go dark. Mm. He's the one with the money. He's the one who needs the money needs to pay for the supplies for the cave um, construction <clears throat> for the set pieces. Yeah. And if you need money, you know, Mark, we're going to do this book. Okay, great. So we put some money up, and now the printing guys want the money, but there's no you, you're just not answering the phone. Well, I guess the books aren't going to get made. It's the same thing. It's like yeah. you know. So anyway, communication. So so you're. When, when I say no days off, like your Sunday could be like, well, I didn't have any physical work to do, but I was on the phone the whole time or the computer the whole time trying to get people or trying yeah. to find ways, solutions around these other problems so we can get the stuff going. We had a very, very tight shooting schedule. So I hired everybody. Uh, I mean, I didn't hire everybody. I brought yeah. everybody to the table and then they were hired. So I went with people on the, at the top of their um, job classification. Like I went with Neil Corbold, who's the brother of Chris Corbold, who did all of Chris Nolan's pictures like mm -hmm. Tenet and Batman and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I needed someone who I didn't have to explain everything to. I yeah. need I need to recreate flooding in a cave system with zero visibility, and I need um, a material material suspended in the water to make it look like we're inside of a cave, and it's not like a tank that's been you know so. And this is the one thing about a lot of the a lot of the comments that came as a result of the film coming out is that people didn't. They couldn't separate what was recreated and what was what part of the what was real and what was recreated. And when I that when, seems like a good thing. So to me, that was that was job done. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it was like, oh my that god, was a complaint. You, no, it wasn't oh, a complaint. It was okay. they, were, they were saying it was praise. Oh, it, yeah. We okay. were, I think, we were at one screening in, in uh, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, and someone said, "Can you please explain?" I I, I think I heard you, Jimmy, say that the film there was some recreations done. Can you tell me what what were the recreations? And I, I wanted to look over and go, "Are you out of your mind? All of what them. do you what, what, If you watch the film, of course you can tell which ones are. But that's because I was there working on the whole thing. Yeah. Right? So, but um. So. But the funny, like, know. okay, we're gonna make a movie about this rescue. Um. Now, as far as I can tell, like, film is light sensitive, and then the sensor on like sort of a video camera would be light sensitive um but underground in a fucking cave that's flooded don't be no light that's to it. be sensitive to so how how would you like the that fuck yeah that was a, that was a lighting a lighting uh challenge so basically you have to light the cave so that you can see the people mm -hmm. yeah and, 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 and you know the initial um uh, approach was oh well the diver behind the diver in front will he will have his torch on and he will yeah. backlight that diver and then yeah. the diver in front will have a light and he will light the foreground that's the initial it's the obvious thing that comes yeah that comes to mind um and uh but then when you talk to the divers they said no we never did that and so yeah. i was i had to be extremely accurate with what i would not betray mm -hmm. what they said never happened yeah even though that they were being asked to do things um for the sake of for the sake of you know this and the film the story whatever you know we need more you know um 
suspense or something and he just said no we, we never did that it was they were constantly we never did that they were, said, don't worry don't worry don't worry it, you, yeah. it won't it won't it won't happen and it, and it did as if there's not enough suspense <laughs> you know so i you know i did some i did a day of testing and uh, which is fairly normal and i just like just a day of testing like weeks of testing months of testing is normal for a, uh, a film for the cinematographer to test different film stocks different lenses yeah. different all this and kind of stuff lighting setups and so i basically um had a I had a concept that I would shoot I didn't want to shoot at such a high ISO that you'd get green in the image even though yeah. that would probably help make it sell that it wasn't kind of it was a foreign environment literally you couldn't see in front of your face and the water was the color of um, coffee creamer that's exactly you know coffee with creamer in it yeah it's picking up all the rocks correct, or, in the yeah. mud and everything yeah. else and it's rushing water and so it's like violently pushing people against rocks and stuff right when they were actually underwater and so um so you had to recreate all this stuff so uh, I had some tubes that were wow. longer than these um, that were in housings. They're called Asteras. They're made in Germany. And uh, I, I uh, we came, in conjunction with my um, chief lighting technician, underwater gaffer, Aaron Keating, we came up with a color scheme. I said, the light has to be the same color as uh, the, water temp the water color temperature. Oh, so we, we had um, coral and chocolate uh, chocolate gel so i put them over uh, and i and i lowered the um the iso of the camera i think i shot it at a thousand iso yeah. and i think i shot it at i wanted to shoot it at four and a half i did not want to shoot wide open which is very common for every if you a lot of the things that you're watching on streaming you notice that the focus is like razor thin yeah yeah i did not want that's that. like this show and also, the one we're on right now. Yeah, that's why I'm staying still. I know. I go like um, out of focus, don't in move. focus, don't out move. of focus. Don't move. Don't, fucking don't breathe. Shooting at 1.2, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah. I know. Not like no, Army of the Dead. We were shooting point zero, point zero, point nine five. What did you use the fucking the, dream lens? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're all. He shot the dream lens. Yeah, well, the whole and film. They're, and they're all, and they've been converted. Like he's, I don't know how many zero he optic, has, but zero optic is a company six, that converted. Yeah. <clears throat> so and they're all, and they're all fifties. And then last year when I was down there, um, he showed me this one that they had taken uh, one of those Canon dream lenses apart and turned it into a thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> so same elements, but like a wider okay. field of view. I'm like, okay, then yeah, you can just um, put, just grab any old lens. And you're a cinematographer. In fact, don't even do that. Use your phone. It's easy. That's just that there's an app, right? So yeah. So you wanted, there's an app for like no depth of field. Well, yeah. So you wanted to like a, a moderate depth of field, so you'd have like kind of a you know a, a, a bigger range. But then when you're four in that dark, Correct. then you have to add lighting, and so that's why you're worried about the ISO. Correct. Okay. And also uh, to get the focus puller, who is remote, like my my system, it's it's wired so that he can he has a monitor and he has a focus uh, device, um, which is wired to uh, into my housing, uh, and there's there's a box that communicates with the two of them so that he can turn the knob and be on the surface and I can be underwater and, okay. and it'll be he'll be able to focus. So he's basically watching the monitor. Because he has a viewfinder. He does. And he can he focus has, it. He's a monitor, an oh, HD, an HD monitor. Okay. So he's able to. And so I needed to give him. And I've did I've done, I did his job for 14 years. Oh, okay. So I know what it, and on film, not yeah. on HD. I did a couple of years of HD, but mostly you know you had to know where. Like I said you had to know where 11 foot six and 15 feet is or two point two you know two foot three. You had, and you had to nail it because some lenses it was like if you shoot wide open and you're out half yeah. an inch you can see it because the focus is on the guy's ear not yeah. his yeah. eye yeah. so i was 
empathetic towards what he had to do. And so a rangefinder is super easy for you to use, isn't it? Like like a, a kind of camera, a, a, like a camera. Like cause, yeah, I mean a lot of times you know, and we talk, joke about it, you know, because I always return the lens to infinity, and I know where oh, I get, and I can turn it to be pretty close to ten feet. You know, if I'm like oh, you're ten feet away, um, and I can turn it without looking at it pretty close now but that's taken years. yeah it takes a long time to do it i think it yeah. does but i don't know maybe some people are just natural at it like when we when we were at um uh, paragon when we looked at the proofs yeah um i i just i think you're four feet you're four and a half feet away yeah and then i and then i would check it and then crank the zoom in and i'm like yeah okay the focus the focus yeah. is there yeah but so um so to give the focus puller a chance, I shot it at a, at, a, at a substantial enough stop, not a five, six, but like a four, mm -hmm. four and a half. And sometimes we went to two, eight, but I would always apologize, um, you know, which is, you know, most, most guys these days are just cranking it. They just crack the iris right open. And, yeah. and it's like the guys, you know, if, if you can't get in focus and you're not very good, that's yeah. really what happens. And so, you know, that's how I feel. <laughs> so, you know, so you had to light the cave so you could see the cave. But yeah. then you had to then. And also, I only had like I was supposed to have 60 feet of continuous tunnels. And because of Brexit, because of the um, lack of uh, shipping of supplies and oh, the fees shit. and the tariffs and ex ex all that kind of stuff that people didn't really foresee um, uh, or some of them did. But anyway. Uh, we, there were some materials that which, which just didn't show up. So we were surveying two of the tanks, one of which oh. was Pinewood, where they do a lot of the Bond films. And uh, when we were finishing the survey, I looked underneath the ramp and I saw all these kind of rock kind of formation, like set pieces. And I go, I pointed and I'm like, can we, can we use those? Do you think? <laughs> he says, yeah, sure. I don't give a shit. So we, uh, I said to the, the production manager, I said, I need a van tomorrow. I need a production assistant to pick this stuff up and take it to Southern Wales to where they're building the stands. And he's going to paint it all the same color. Okay. Yeah. So to match I, what had been built for a previous exactly. job. Yeah, yeah. And I just need more rock. I just yeah. need more. So give me all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't want to pay for that. We don't No, We don't want to do that. I said, okay, I'll make it easy for you then. So then I, with my right hand man, first assistant director, Joey Clocklin, we rented the van and we went to Pinewood and we picked it up ourselves. My hands got all cut up, moving all this shit into the van. And it, we, it was like right to the ceiling. And we drove to Southern Wales. We pulled over at a little chef there and got some tea and a sandwich and kept going, dropped it off. And uh, Rod, who was building the Armadillo, that's the name of the company, sorry. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he showed up. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. This is amazing. Thank you so much for doing this because we couldn't do it. I'm understaffed. Would you like some tea? I'd love some tea. And he goes and he puts the <laughs> kettle on and then he goes, oh. I don't, the kettle broke and we have hot water out of the tap. I said, that's fine. That's fine. And he goes, I don't have any milk. I go, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> okay. We have to go now. Goodbye. And we go back in the van and we, and we took off and it's like, so, so you're going to tell me that you don't have the time or the money and you don't want to pay someone to come out and do it. So, but you'll pay me who's a lot more money than a PA. Yeah. Who, but it's just like, this is what I'm getting at. You, you had to put the foot on the gas pedal and get this stuff going because we would never have made there was production delays with the set being built and then there was a version where the directors were not going to come to the United Kingdom because of there's COVID and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff going on or letting people in. And um, so I was going to be directing it and they were going to have a remote link and they were going to say yes, no, maybe possibly. And then, uh, you know, or, you know, moving on or whatever. And then in the end, the very last minute they flew 
And uh, so I met them for the first time. Is that remote link kind of thing? Is that? I did it on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new uh, Disney Plus thing that came okay. out. I did that. Um, it, it does actually work. Okay. It sounds like it, it, sounds like it wouldn't work. Oh, it sounds horrible. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> like, we're, uh, we're in, like, they got a giant TV. Yeah. And then they have, like, just say, you know, your face is on that big TV there. Yeah. And so then they're able to watch what you're doing. They have, I think they have two monitors they can see. Okay. Like, it's, it's similar to this. They have, yeah. this is shooting what the set looks like, and this is they're seeing the feet of the actual camera from the cameras that are so that she can see. Oh, okay. So it yeah. was this woman, Deborah Chow, who was the director on Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so then that's, so it does work. But initially you're like, this is never going to work. Yeah. Or, eh, yeah. you know, somebody's face is going to go glitchy or something or, yeah. but it never broke up and it, it was very oh, really? efficient. And I, and I got the day done in 30 minutes before we were supposed to wrap, which is always good when you yeah. finish before and it's supposed to going over. So I don't uh, know if I've ever been involved in a job where, <laughs> <laughs> the day's work was done before wrap. Uh, yeah. Before, <laughs> before uh, overtime, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, uh, you know. Yeah. It's true. That yeah. hasn't. I don't think that's ever happened. I, I no. mean, I, maybe I just am misremembering because you only remember the days when they like, go over. People are, you know, <laughs> all right. It's a, you know, it's a time penalty. It's a meal penalty. It's a this that second you know, meal. Just like, yeah. Oh. I'd rather be home. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Right. And this is like you know well, why why did you only get like you know five and a half hours of sleep and then you have to do this long murderous day. Well, because we didn't get enough turnaround. Yeah. And so, you know, whatever. So, you know. Um, so the get, remote thing works. That's It, it does work. That's cool. And, so, so but, but for the rescue thing, they eventually, that didn't no. end up having to happen. They were able to get over. and They were, they were able to get over, and we did that. We shot in two different locations. And uh, I remember uh, one point we shot, there's one place, it's a little bit of a low-budget uh, place called the Underwater Studio. And um, they don't have, like, the, gi- the giant projections there. It's in, a, okay. it's in a, an industrial complex. But anyway, um so at one point, you know, everyone had masks on, you know, we were all wearing, yeah. doing that stuff. And so this, the, the medic COVID budget was enormous. <laughs> it was, they didn't really, they weren't super interested in, wasn't you were on something in the Dominican maybe where yeah. you, I think you said, uh, you know, some, one of the producers put up like a million, the of, director, the director of $3 million, a million, one, 1.3 M night Shyamalan. He put up a three or a 1.3 to one, 1.3 to $3 million of his own money. In the just, COVID budget, just alone, to handle the COVID situation, which was so they could testing every three days, masks, all the supplies, all the people to, oh, yeah. you know, all the people to, you know, to do the testing and the driving and then, of the and sample, and, you know, and, yeah. And then there's do. the, you know, the you are going, Michael, you're going here at eight o'clock tomorrow for your test. It's like the person who's the logistics person. Oh, okay. So you know, we were doing all that stuff. So we were trying to um, comply. And I just remember the the um, production manager's face was going gray because he was, he was, he was clearly. He was over. He was. Yeah. This was a lot of this was going over his head. So you know. <sighs> anyway, we did the shoot and um, it was finished. And then the film came out, and I think it was October the following year, and um, it got nominated for quite a few awards. Um, it got nominated for, and I. This is a completely foreign world to me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I'd never really been nominated for anything before, and that's, I guess it's somewhat uncommon for, you know, I didn't just do the underwater work on that film. I did all the recreations, which were on land, and a lot of the stuff in the cave system was half yeah. in, half out. So it wasn't like, you know, so what's the light source? The diver's headlights. But then you still have to light the cave with, yeah. they have to hide the lights everywhere. I did the same thing on Army, uh, Army of the Dead. And for the kitchen fight, I had to hide the lights so that you could still see the kitchen but you couldn't see the lights. Yeah. yeah. So at least I had that experience 
you know, to, you know, do, with with doing that. So, um, Critics Choice Awards were um, the film got nominated for several of them, and um, I went to New York, and uh, in Brooklyn is where the, the awards were. And um, Quest Love from the Roots was uh, he had been nominated for his film Summer of Soul, which is a great film that uh, he they they've been nominated for everything I think, and um, so he was up. He was a presenter, and he was the one who gave me the award nice. uh, when they called it out. And uh, I gave a shout out to Scott Backey's and Jimmy gave me the you know, nice. you know, one of those <laughs> thumbs up. And uh, I thanked all my crew by name and the job that they did. And um, it's like, what do you do? Like, you want to you you? Well, I, no, what people normally do when they get an award is make it some political thing. Well, there's that. <laughs> or, or yeah, what's your or, cause, man? Or they have no, they have nothing prepared. Like oh, I, oh. I wrote, I wrote my speech, yeah. and I, did, I, had, I had no. Cl- I said, look, if you're gonna win, if there's a chance that you might win, you have to have a speech. You gotta be prepared. You can't yeah. just fucking wing this shit yeah. in front of all these people. There's no way. So I wrote a speech, nice. and I watched what some other people were doing. Some people were they spoke eloquently when they when they won, and you know it wasn't about them, and and they knew they could fire off everybody's names and stuff. And I go, I'm I'm probably gonna be so nervous that I'll forget something. And so I watched this one woman. She walked up onto the podium and she put her phone down and she just started watching it like that, looking at her phone. And yeah. so I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, even though I had it already written, I wrote it in, in the limo or something yeah. like that. So I went up, blah, 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 blah. And then they, you know, so then the film was also, um, it didn't, it won cinematography and it won um, director, the shared director award. Okay. Nice. And that might've been, it won the best score. So, yeah. But again, under the auspices of winning something, I mean, I was, it was all brand new to me. So I was like, holy shit. But it's got to be you know, yeah. pretty good. It, felt, it felt good. It was a lot of work that went into that. And, yeah. you know, for the film to be recognized, it was, you know. And the 20 years before that, that went into that. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. about, anybody can, you know, circling back, anybody yeah. can just throw their just camera, in the, camera water in the water. And, and yeah. You can just whip it up. But, you know, I also failed to mention the fact that there had to be a script written. Yeah. about the sequence because there has to be a shooting schedule and you have to base a sco- shooting right. schedule around the script. script. So I wrote the script and then I sent it to the divers and they were like, if that guy's in that film, I'm not doing it. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so I'll edit that person out. Right? Is everyone okay? And just like playing Switzerland and making sure that everyone's okay. But do you think the National, Geogra- National Geographic would have hired a screenwriter for this? There's no yeah. way. Yeah. So did I, get, did, I, did I get credited for that? No. This is what you do. This is part of the package. Yeah, you do yeah. what needs to get done. I, I think exactly. that's yeah. like... I mean, and that's like any of the training jobs. We're just like, yeah. well, if we don't do it, it's not going to be done. So this is, this is how we're going to build a gym. And this is what it's... <laughs> or, or, you know. They send you to South Africa and they, you know, they put you in charge of all the stunties and the schedule making. And you're like, suddenly I'm now a production assistant. Like now I had... You're like, a production manager for the stunt yeah, department? Like, like, but you're like, yeah. it doesn't matter because nobody else is going to do it. No. You're like what are we yeah. gonna do not do it you stand there and stare at your shoes or you're gonna yeah. get on with it you're yeah. gonna get on with it so yeah. i got on with it and so you can go on about oh, i did this and i did yeah. that and how come you know whatever so whatever we go to the after party and i'm talking to jimmy and he's blabbing about this and that and then he goes well i gotta go well, i gotta go mingle i'm like okay and i thought okay i stopped drinking three years ago i'm somewhat socially awkward which has <laughs> become even I could say worse as a result of the pandemic. I could say that I have social anxiety and that um, I'm an introvert. And I've always been that way. 
And so when the pandemic happened, everyone couldn't socialize and they had to isolate. You're just like, I was like, I was born for this shit. Yeah, right. This is my, <laughs> this is my time to shine. <laughs> this is totally by it. myself, by myself yeah. in my room, you know, with my pretzels. So, you know, it, so then now socializing, now you have to go out and you got to, you got to mingle. Oh, yeah. And I, and I don't know how to do it anymore. I didn't know how to do it. So, okay, I'm sipping my soda water and everyone else is hammered. Yeah. And um, I go to the bar and this guy kind of saddles up and he, he must have recognized me from the suit that I had on because it was blue and nobody else had a blue suit. So he, he was an editor on this frontline thing that won. Um, mm. And so uh, we started talking. Oh, you know, what did you win? Oh, what did you win? And so, I mean, a nice guy. And then all of a sudden this other guy shows up and he's a producer for um, this film called The Alpinist. And oh, um, he starts talking and uh, he's a nice guy. And then the director comes over, Nick Rosen, mm -hmm. and uh, he starts talking and he goes, hey, how's it going, man? Congra Everyone's congratulating me. And all of a sudden, this out of nowhere, I get like John Belushi, blammo, like, you know, John Belushi when yeah. um, um, at the hardcore shows in uh, Saturday Night Live when <laughs> yes. Fear was doing Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I got John Belushi by somebody and I hear this, you son of a bitch, you stole our award. And I look over and um, the guy's, is totally like laughing. Yeah. But it's the producer from The Alpinist because they were nominated for Best Cinematography. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, which were, they, man, it was phenomenal too. Yeah. It was really good. I, didn't, I haven't seen their, their film yet. I yeah, feel really horrible good. saying that, but uh, at least I'm honest about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to those guys all night and there's me nice. going, I'm not going to have anything to do. Oh, well, Jimmy's going to go mingle. Now I don't have anyone to talk to. I'm just going to go and maybe I'll just like sneak out of the party. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, people are drunk and I can't relate to them because and you know yeah. whatever and so by the end of it I was like the last guy there oh nice I was nice. like and then I felt really bad for the people who were you know the production people who were sitting around waiting for me to get in the limo I'm like oh my god I feel horrible you should have come and told me to get the fuck out of the house yeah and then uh, so then it was I mean one for cinematography only not anything oh editing editing as well yes so myself and okay. Bob the editor we, we, we won the American Cinema Talk American Cinematic Tribute to the Crafts, which is the first time this has ever been, um, uh, has ever happened, the inaugural, whatever, awards. And it's it's made by the American Cinematic. And when I read the board of directors and when I read that Michael Mann was one of the boards of, board of directors, I was like, oh my God, amazing. <laughs> that's, so, that's an award I wouldn't mind being you know, a part of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was in Los Angeles. So basically it was um, New York and then um, back to uh, LA and then, and then um, there were the uh, Cinema Eye Honors. Mm. And the film was nominated for a whole bunch of, like, I don't know, nine or whatever it was. But every other documentary that was, was out was also nominated. And so the Rescue, <laughs> Rescue didn't really do very well that night. Mm. I was nominated. Well, I, I, I and the other two cinematographers who were, on, who were credited was also, were also nominated. And uh, what the, when, we did the, when the Critics' Choice Awards happened, uh, there was a film called Ascension, which was um, about... Uh, it takes place in China and it's about manufacturing and it's about um, I'm going to I'm not even going to bother going into what it's about because I'll probably you know I'm not the filmmaker so I'll screw it up but um, there's there's manufacturing there's life in China there's there's the the, the assembly of um, of uh, various uh, again I'm going to screw it up so I'm not going to go into it but there's the manufacturing of sex dolls that's in um the uh and, they, and it's in quite in quite um detail in quite it's very detail oriented so uh when i'm 
in the podcast studio here and I'm looking down, I'm like, yeah, I've seen how these things are created. You know? um, and, uh, you know, they're customized and this and that. And so I don't know what he's talking about. I don't about. even know what you're talking you? about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kidding he's me? A, he's a little dull. Yeah. Um, but so that film when that, that film cleaned up that night at, okay. um, at the Cinema Eye Honors. And so I think there might have been a little bit of uh, pushback on the rescue because of the fact that elements of that film were recreated because they, oh. the footage didn't exist. And I think that, well, then that's not a true documentary then. Yeah, gotcha. So now you're crossing the line. And so anybody, but if you look at some of the, no, the nominees, you're like, well, hang on a minute. So that's, that's, there's a film called, this very beautifully shot film called The Truffle Hunters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And each of those shots, they're set up. Yeah. They're set up and they're lit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a question of showing up into a room and following people around. Yes, there's sequences where they follow the people around and they follow the dogs that are searching for the truffles and there's all that. They put GoPros on the dogs and all that kind of stuff. But everything else where they introduce the people who are in that village, yeah. the camera is set up and everything's lit. Yeah. It's composed and the camera doesn't move. And so I'm like, that's not that's not a documentary. Yeah. Like that's not docu it's documenting something, but it's it's still set up. So it's a real razor that's, thin edge. I was gonna say that's actually kind of a an interesting delineation, yes. if you will, between... Uh, but it's not me saying, you know, where's my award? I'm just saying yeah. that if you're going to be that didactic about what is real and what isn't, and what's a documentary yeah. and what constitutes one and what does not, is saying, okay, well, in the past, okay, so Albert Maisley's salesman, he's following the guy around mm -hmm. with a camera over his shoulder, and he's he's grabbing, he's not like, you know... It's, it goes back to the reality mm -hmm. uh, show thing that I worked on yep. where the guy's making the script up as he goes along. Go back and see that bit there. You know, all oh, your toenails have got fungus in them. Oh, I say that part again. It's like, wait a minute. That's not the documentary. You're, you're directing yeah. with him what to do. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a fine, it's a fine. So there was a bit of pushback, I think, also because they were the darlings of um, the documentary community. And of course, Free Solo was, yeah. won so many awards that uh, maybe people were like, you know, you guys, not every film, that comes here has all the money that you do, you know, yeah. and you know, we, you know, I, I put this thing together with my own bare hands and so and I deserve, so whatever, who cares? Mm. So anyway, in summation, yeah, the film um, was a great project to be attached uh, to. And um, I'm, I, I, I watched it last night just to prep it in my mind because it yeah. had been some time. Um, and uh, I'm still, proud of the work that I did on it and the work that everybody else did on it. Perfect. And I still think it's a good film. And, um, you know, yeah. So that's cool. Would you, do you think you'd be doing more of that kind of work because it was appreciated or are you going back to more mainstream big budget? Am <laughs> I going back to the big superhero stuff? Um, blowing shit up. <laughs> I, you know, the interesting thing is that the jobs that are the most memorable that I've done, like I did a, a job, the first job I did, um, with this, uh, finger okay. issue was a Marriott <laughs> commercial in a cenote in Mexico. And, um, if you go into any Marriott mm -hmm. and you turn the TV on, they have the Marriott channel yeah. and it's like a series of short films. Well, it always plays every time I turn the TV <laughs> on. So I'm like, where's my free room? 
motherfuckers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I say it all the time. And my wife was like, oh, he's really upset. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's a joke, but just, you know. Yeah. But anyway. But I'm telling it in earnest. But I'm telling it in earnest, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, you know, hello, you know, you guys have profited off my, my blood, sweat, and tears. But, um, but you know, I remember that job. And it was working mm-hmm. with a French free diver, Julie Gauthier, who uh, uh, is the is the um, uh, wife of... Um, he did the one the one breath Guillaume Neri. Oh, yeah. She's the one God. doing the camera work. So, so I'm like, oh, she's going to be judging everything I do, but she was there to do her interpretive dance underwater. Yeah. Have you and, seen that? Uh, no. Uh, well, the one amazing. breath. It's fucking aw- It's like, it's mesmerizing. Okay. How they did it. It's, it's a Guillaume, yeah, it's Guillaume it's Neri, uh, and he's a, he's a legendary, like number one yeah. French, French free diver. And so he basically goes, they go all over the world yeah. in these amazing water environments where he's, it's, 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 there's no well there's cuts of course but I mean yeah. it looks like it's like oh he did the whole thing on a one I guess the concept is he did the whole thing on a one he, one, he one, like one takes his breath and I want to say it's oh yeah I have seen this okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he yeah. goes and yeah. then and then the whole yeah. thing is yeah. just it's like about two minutes in you start like panicking a little bit my set you're just like boom, boom, your heart starts yeah. it's so weird but it's yeah. so serene it's yeah. really really pretty it's lovely yeah so yeah. and she so she was very she was wonderful as well but i had i was i was thinking oh well she's going to be judging me and yeah. she was of course not doing any of that she was yeah. uh, i was judging myself of course and yeah but um there's that but were and, you judging yourself uh in the way that you expected her to be judging you. <laughs> Were you an that accurate, harsh? An accurate yeah. of the judging. Well, you're really not going to like this shot because, you know. But, I, I just um, really I like mean, doing I, reciprocal judging. Reciprocal yeah. judging, yes. I, I just think it's so funny. We often do that, you know, like, we expect somebody else to have expectations of us and then we modify our behavior yeah. based on the expectations sure. of expectations. And... Like it doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. Do you know what's funny? And yet we do it. I was cutting. I was cutting that. Well, I was editing the film that me and Ben made. And yeah. I was like, oh, it was so much fun. He he like opened up this whole new world because I was like, oh, I've got some music that I think I could like, you know, some weird sound effects. And he's like, no, yeah. no, 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 you're making your own music. And I was like, well, dude, I don't. I'm not gonna learn like. But he's like, no, it's easy. And he showed me like just a really simple way to draw out some effects on like you know garage band or something and then i got fucking two days wormhole down garage band just making I'm stuff he, i'm glad he made you do that and right. and now like i was like having so much fun doing it and he's like hey have you do you have anything to show me and i immediately stopped working on it it's yeah. <laughs> like, like he's gonna judge me i had the best time doing it it's not done yet but i'm like you know i'm running into some basic problems that i just want to like fix out but ever since he said like hey where is it i'm like fuck he's gonna think i'm terrible but when I was interviewing you in here, uh, yeah, uh, for the Poison mm-hmm. short film that we're making, um, I had the um, the transmitter for my microphone hanging off the camera. It wasn't clipped in; it was just hanging. Oh yeah. And I was making an adjustment, and it started doing the pendulum swing. And I looked over at Ben, and I was like, "I said, you probably think I'm really unprofessional." <laughs> and he goes, "No, bro, I don't think anything like that. I just keep doing what you're doing." And I, of course, I was like, "I guess I was projecting, like, you know, you, oh, who the fuck is this guy with a dangly, you know, sound pack hanging off the camera?" <laughs> You know, anyway, hanging from that cable. Yeah, <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's like it's a, it's something that I've been doing uh, since I was a kid because yeah. you know I can like you can always point the finger and say, well, it's, it's, that's the, that's the way my dad treated me or whatever. So it's probably we're, we're, gift, we're never though. good enough for our fathers. Let's just be yeah. done with it. You well, I, th- I think it's like kind of a <laughs> stop talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> the fact you can be around people who like make you think about what you're doing. You're like, I think that's all it is, right? You're like. If it was somebody shitty, I wouldn't 
care what they think. Yeah, yeah. or but it's just yeah. some yeah. level with of respect that you have for you know, somebody. Ben's got Ben's got a lot of experience. He's got his yeah. YouTube channel, or he's, he's yeah. been working around cameras, or he's been working on Deadliest Catch, or whatever he's been working on. I don't really know him that well. It's the first yeah. time I ever met him. Oh yeah, yeah. But I just yeah. sort of like you know, oh, he's like another guy who works with camera yeah. gear, yeah. and you know, we're all going to be looking at each other. Oh, the guy, oh, he put the cables that way. Oh, no, fucking idiot. He's you real. Know. He's real loose around the <laughs> edges with his camera. Work. Oh yeah, I mean he's. <laughs> It's because the camera work, yes, it's a necessary aspect of his job, mm -hmm. but he's a storyteller yeah. in the whole sense. And, the, and so the visual part is a part. Yeah. There's more to it. And then when the Starbound thing, you know, where they cut the ship in half and made it longer, yeah. and he worked on that documentary for, Ugh. I don't know, two years or something. Yeah. And, and then and they're like, well, I guess we got to take this out in the fucking Bering Sea, see if it floats. <laughs> Still, like, hopefully, you're yeah. going for that, man. How do you, how do you because yeah, 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 I saw how the sausage was made, so I trust that this boat's gonna work. But he's worked on a bunch of cool uh -huh. projects, and one of those things that, um, I think it was for Discovery, and they went in, the, the, they were in and around the Frank Church wilderness, and you can't fucking shoot in the wilderness, like, you can't film. So they had there's like some private in holdings, you know, around where they could where they could go on that land and film and that stuff. But he's just like, yeah, we're just like in the mountains of Idaho on horseback, <laughs> like moving around with all my stuff. Oh uh, yeah, he was, like, uh, yeah, that was remember, like, hilarious. Yeah, it's like man, you get tasked for some pretty wild jobs. Yeah, he finds himself <laughs> in the weirdest place, jungles in Peru and yeah, Brazil, or like, Mozambique recently, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which but again, cool. you know, what I witnessed, uh, th there's some people who can be great cameramen or great directors or great whatever, mm -hmm. or great musicians. And like you look at their studio or, or their creative space yeah. and it's a fucking shithole. Sure. It's a mess. There's cables and crap everywhere. And you're yeah. like, how do you create anything? And it's like, you know, because of chaos, you know, that's the thing. It's like the films <laughs> that I was most attracted to, yeah. um, unbeknownst to me, were the most difficult and impossible to make right mm -hmm. i'll use a pot i'll set apocalypse oh, now for, let's just start there might yeah. as well right because <laughs> that's, that's the textbook version right there so 260 something days to shoot that <laughs> and you know all you need to do is watch the, the documentary of that hearts of darkness is almost even almost as good as a film which is yeah. saying something quite you know, it's so compelling yeah it's amazing the fact that it's anything like, got fucking made so yeah. it's a giant mess and it was a, you know blade runner was no different yeah. and alien was no different mm -hmm. and it's like you know the student people who are funding the art they don't they don't like what they're seeing or they want to change mm -hmm. it or they don't like you know they, they they want to have a say they want to have some input you know i i did a a photo um, underwater photo um, workshop in the channel island in california with this legendary, I'll say that legendary, but, you know, because the word is overused, of course, but his name is David Dubolet and he shoots for National Geographic. He's, he's arguably the best, he's the greatest underwater stills photographer that they've ever um, okay. had. And so I got to watch, the, you know, it's a, there was a, there was a class schedule. There was, there was a, um, a structured um, uh, workload that you had to produce. You know, have a wide angle and then, you know, a macro thing and then whatever else. Uh, some try to find some marine life so there, you, would ha you had to have a story and you had to you know whatever and so the first two days i didn't do any of that i just watched him work because mm -hmm. i'm always a behind the scenes guy i'm like mm -hmm. oh yeah how'd they figure that out you know or even when i went to see rock bands i would always be watching what the roadies were doing behind them or oh he uses he uses bicycle clips like neil peart used bicycle clips to clap his uh his trou trousers because they wouldn't get caught in the in the bass drum pedals i'm like why wouldn't you just wear shorts 
but you know it's because because yeah. i don't want to wear shorts but yeah. it's, it's i was always watching that kind of detail i was never watching like you know the other guys are like you know singing along to all the the, yeah. the lyrics and i'm like i'm fucking watching what the guy's doing with his left foot yeah like that's what i would be doing yeah. but so i got to watch dubelay <laughs> more weirdo that way i would got to watch du, this, this guy just sort of artist whatever everyone loves that word but i got to watch how he worked and you know it was chaos he had five camera housings all with different lenses on them and they were all had gaffer tape on them and they all had numbers on them one to five and so then he would be shooting and he would he would and he would he would pick, uh, pick it up out of his field of view and toss it over his shoulder and he would do this and then the assistant would have to unclip the camera he had five uh, systems with him he'd have to unclip number three and give him number three because that had a 50 macro on it and he'd get in there and he was totally blind he has these coke bottle lenses on his and he'd be like -la -la -la, and he would throw that one away so the guy's got to pick the camera up and give him the next one that he's throwing the number up okay uh, i know that number four has got a 65 mil or a 105 macro so watching these people work it's pure chaos mm. you know apocalypse now or any of that kind of stuff so you know um laurie anderson studio anderson cooper did this thing on 60 minutes i, I love laurie anderson and mm. Um, she's been giving um, some um, audio video pr uh, presentations at uh, universities lately and uh, they're all on YouTube and I find them completely mesmerizing but so they went to her studio and there's fucking cables and shit everywhere and I'm like ah, why would I expect it to be like pristine it's and pristine neat and you know? neat. yeah with one little why would you, yeah. you know, oh yeah it's a little computer they do everything on this yeah so I don't know I guess whether you know what is it where, where there's chaos there's creation yeah you know yeah so yeah yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say I've got to um I've got to render some chaotic <laughs> books that are just oh, yeah. existing in chaos without signatures in them. Yeah, for I've sure. Got like 300 <laughs> of them or something to try and do. 300 today. good number. Yes. Yeah, Goodness. Sure. Um so yeah, the book came out. We, oh, start, yeah. we started shipping them. Yeah. Ian's making a little thing about it, a short, a short about film. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we great. got to, we got to see some cool, yeah. you know, different aspects of it and uh, it's of, good. of the production. It's yeah. good because we've seen the printing, yeah, and now we've seen the binding, yeah, for a different book. But the whole process was very interesting. I mean, I was I was waiting, and then you know, four books would get spat out, and then I'm like, ah, I missed it. And then, mm -hmm. like, then there's all this pausing, and then Andy just said, "Yeah, we're waiting for the glue to dry or whatever." And he's like, yeah. "You know, are you ready?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm ready." And then, like, then they started spitting them out, and it was like, "Roll, roll, 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 roll," <laughs> you know. But uh, it was it man, was amazing. They're, they're like finishing a book. You know, you put the two, two signature, two. I don't know what they, exactly they are because it's more than a signature. But you had a, like two yeah. in, internal pieces inside the folded cover. And then that goes, gets glued, and then it goes around the conveyor belt and has to be on the conveyor belt for long enough yeah. for the glue to dry before it goes and gets hit with the cutter. And there's one book every three fucking seconds. Yeah. yeah. That's, being, that's being done. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. When I okay. saw those being cut, I mm -hmm. thought, how obviously the glue holds them. And yeah. so you're like, and, and also the, it doesn't move. It's clamped, right? yeah. But, but you're like, you're like, oh my God, if the thing just went, you could just imagine going brrrr, up, oh, and yeah. like, you know, diagonally cutting across. Yeah. And then, oh shit, there goes that book. Oh, there's another one. Wait, 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 stop. Because you can't stop because it just get piled up, right? Yeah. So, 
yeah. but uh, but it's, at least we didn't have, i mean sure there's a lot of dust in the air but at least we didn't you know came we were only in there for oh, i don't know what two hours max yeah. it, it, it wasn't like 30 hours oh, of god yeah. exposure but it's still really interesting though i'd never seen that process before and i thought well I don't know. I, wh- where do I start shooting? Like, what do I what do I shoot? And I just started shooting whatever I saw moving, really. And yeah. then, it, then it would stop. And I'm like, well, why is it stopping? But, <laughs> Making uh, adjustments. Anyway, that's Andy being being specific, being, for, being, being meticulous. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is uh, which? Yeah. Anytime. I mean, we talk about that. You know, anytime you're managing other people or managing processes, you gotta be. Yeah. You know, you can't just go. Ah, it'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You can put your trust in someone else, but they they have to be, I feel, they have to have the same sensibilities as you. They have to have the same oh, yeah. attention to detail, and they have to mm-hmm. have the same care and attention, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> sure. Because it's fine, it's fine for you to beat yourself up, and I've got a PhD in that, but it's fine for you to beat yourself up, but then when, when you put your trust in someone else and they don't deliver, yeah, and you could have done it, but you let them do it, then you're like, so not this, only am I going to beat myself up over this, no, yeah. you're the nearest victim on the Price is Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out, man. Thank you very much for it's having me on the show again. again. It was wonderful to see you guys both. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice to see you. And yeah. thank you for that, like, I don't know, master class in sort of underwater shooting. Because yeah. uh-huh. there's, we, we have very loosely talked about it mm-hmm. in, in the past, and I, I don't think I ever had a... Um, uh, as good an understanding certainly as I do after yeah after a couple hours talking it's a long time it's a lot of years it's a lot of years of being obsessed about something and I'm still yeah. obsessed about it and I still love it so and That's I'm fortunate awesome. to, to get paid to do what I love to do to which do is it. not everybody yeah. get, does that right so yeah sure. I don't ever take that for granted well um, turn that PhD back in quit beating yourself up because you, know, <laughs> you make really beautiful images thank you very yeah. much thank you yeah thanks man we'll s- hopefully see you soon we will 